Hello, fellow homebrewers. JP here, and I want to introduce to you the brand new Brew Built X1 Conical Series available at More Beer. More Beer sells the highest standard in homebrewing equipment, and the Brew Built Conicals are just that. They're made from mere polished 304 stainless steel, and they come with loads of features that you and I have been looking for. They have a full two inch bottom dump valve, which will eliminate your clogging issues, while the sturdy base includes four reinforced legs, just like those big pro tanks do. More Beer also carries the Brew Built line of options and add ons like casters, pressure kits, and even external glycol chillers. So you can find out more about the new Brew Built X1 Conical Uni Tanks by going over to morebeer.com for detailed videos on the entire line of Brew Built Conicals. You can trust Brew Built with your next fermentation, and you can trust More Beer to find the right conical for you. Brew Built at morebeer.com. Home brewers, craft brewers, beer lovers, beer drinkers. Get ready for an all-new experience in information exchange and beer culture. Your only source, only source for live beer radio that brings expert brewers from around the globe right to your home. You're not just listening to broadcasters. It's the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Brewcast right here on the Brewing Network. Thanks for tuning in and hanging in there, everybody. I know we are just a few minutes late, but uh, it's only a matter of time before the Bay Area traffic got the best of us. There's nothing you can do. Stupid traffic. It's a stupid tunnel. It is a stupid tunnel. And it's stupid that they close down half of the tunnel every day. There's three tunnels, and and you have to share one of the tunnels depending on which direction you're going. But then when they do maintenance, they don't even share the tunnel. Then it's only one tunnel, and everyone squeezes into the tunnel. Ooh. On top of them not knowing how to merge because they're Californian, and Californians can't merge. Exactly. If you're from California, you can't merge. I'm not afraid to say it right here. You're right. On the radio. You non-merging idiots. All right? And anyway, like I said, it was only a matter of time before it got the best of us, Doc. Yeah, there you go. Well, that, that whole... Fourth war thing that they keep talking about. Yeah. All the millions of dollars they need and they keep yeah. trying to vote for it. But for this. Yeah. No, well. Serious. I want them to tear down this mountain. Well they they put they close one of the bores in the other direction for uh the commute <coughs> excuse me, the commute. Yeah. There's no commute direction now. No, there's not. There's no non commute. Yeah. It's 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 screwed both ways. You know it's bad if Daniela, the environmentalist, wants to tear down the <laughs> tear mountain. Tear down the mountain. Yeah. There's move a solution for you. Move the stupid well, mountain. No, it's a trade-off because all this exhaust that exists because of this tunnel and yeah. because of people not merging and because of people being stupid and all the stress it causes and it's going to make me die five years earlier at least. <laughs> Settle down. Have a beer. <laughs> <laughs> We're actually doing quite well and happy to be here. Uh, just was a, a, a kind of a mad dash to get in here, but no worries. We're not on a strict schedule necessarily. All you had to do was hang out for ten minutes and listen to good Brewing Network music, which uh, is always kind of fun too. Yeah, got you, got you another beer. 
Now, the beer I've got today, Doc, did you pour one out of the keg? Yes, I did. It's John Plissé's Hellas, the latest batch of his 50-gallon Hellas. PDG coming and, through. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a, another, a great beer. He, he gave us a keg, and I even called him yesterday uh, a couple days after he gave it to us because I was opening up a new pint of it and taking a sip. And I had to call him just to tell him it's really nice, and thanks for giving it to us. It's yeah. an, another great Hellas out of John. And uh, I believe this will be the one that uh, he does competitions uh, for next year. Yeah, probably. He yeah. likes to make it uh, sort of the year before and, and get it properly aged and uh, then interim in competitions. I told him it's a little thinner than uh, than yeah. his last one, a little less that's, body. That's what I was thinking. It's a little. It's pretty dry. It's nice drinking beer, though. Yeah. It goes down real smooth. It's a good summertime beer. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's... It's tasty. I have a feeling we'll finish it tonight. <laughs> Easily. Yeah. Depends on how much of a head start you got on it already. Well, we didn't dip in it. Too, uh, there, I'm guessing there's... Too much, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say there's probably... There's a little over three gallons left in there. Oh, so, okay. That's so. gone. Yeah, it's done, right? <laughs> Today's show, and I hope you guys are all as excited about this as I am, because we've been waiting for this. Now, we've done a yeast show with Chris White before, and we've done it over the phone. But today, we actually have the Brothers White in the studio. We've got, we've got both of the twins, Chris and Mike White. And I'm pretty sure it's Mike that's with us now, but, uh, <laughs> but who knows, right? Mike, how are you today? I'm Chris. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> I knew I was going to get it wrong. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> now, I can tell because Mike's the cool one and Chris is the nerdy one. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> you'll see that tonight. We'll all, we'll all be able to tell the difference by the end of the show. You'll know, you'll never uh, doubt again which white you're talking to. And Chris is actually still on his way. I think he got stuck in the, in the same traffic that we did. So Mike's with us right now and that's fine because we dick around for a good half hour anyway, don't right. we? You know? oh, of course, it's fun. Yeah, we got plenty of stuff to do before we get into the good stuff. So if you've got any questions, about yeast, uh, obviously in particular uh, White Labs yeast, then uh, you're going to want to get those ready now and join us in the chat room. You can send them through to Danielle and she'll get the questions to me. Or, of course, you can call 888-401-BEER. Uh, you could also Skype us at the Brewing Network. All sorts of ways to contact us and make sure your questions come through. I already got some email questions for you guys too, Mike, so these people are prepared for your show. Uh, it's going to be a good time and uh, we're going to talk everything yeast. I hope you came prepared. We came prepared. Good. And I hope you get drunk as well. We'll see. <laughs> I'm actually curious to see which of the white brothers is going to handle the alcohol better. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's a difference for twins. I mean, Mike yeah. has had like a couple of beers already. I don't know if Chris is drinking while he's driving. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> Let's hope not. So we'll see. Which one of you is a, a, a just a bigger drinker in general? Like it likes to likes to drink a little more than the other. Either one. It's about the same. Is it? Yes, uh, and, and th that answer applies to a lot of categories. Okay, it's about the same. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys are the sort of atypical uh, twins. twins. Uh, my guess is uh, I'm a little better at it. Okay, uh, but uh, we should do a test later on. Yeah, I you, think you're better determine. at being a twin. I think I'm better at uh, handling my liquor. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. That will be a good test to see later on. Doc, you didn't happen to bring a breathalyzer with you, did you? No, didn't. Yeah. That's okay. We'll do the old uh, uh, just appearance test, you know. Whichever one of you is either sleeping in the chair or having fallen out of it. Uh, of course, we'll have to have Chris get uh, catch up. Yeah, that's true. He is going to have to uh, chug at least a two or something when he gets here uh, just to play catch up. I'd like to see that. That's <laughs> always good fun. But we are going to get to the good information. So like I said, if you got yeast questions, get them ready. We're going to be happy to answer them for you. Uh, the newsletter's out, Daniela. 
I know, I've seen it. The new Brewing Network newsletter. If you didn't get it, it's because you didn't sign up uh, by clicking the newsletter button right on our homepage. That's why I didn't get it. That's why Doc didn't get it. He I, didn't I, sign I heard up. about it. I heard how cool it was. It, yeah, I actually have to compliment Justin. It's really good. came out nice. Thank it you very much. It came out very nice. I was happy with it, and that's why it's been six months since we've put one out, because the other one had lots of issues. Uh, the, people said they couldn't read it. They didn't like the colors. Uh, uh, there weren't enough pictures. I don't know what they said. All sorts of things were wrong with this. So I kind of put it on hold for a while. We went to work on some other things and uh, got it all wrapped up and decided it was time to reinvent the newsletter, and it's now called The Brewcaster. And you can get it uh, once a month. We'll be putting out another one right at the beginning of September uh, and then subsequently every month. And we're just going to keep you up to date on what's happening. Beautiful. If you're a podcast listener and you don't really use our website and you just kind of get the podcast and go about your business, you're going to want to go ahead and sign up for the newsletter because uh, it'll just come to your email and and you don't have to use our site and, and we'll let you know what's happening. So click the newsletter button right on our homepage and you can sign up for that. I love the comic on a newsletter. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Uh, the Where Drunk Meets Genius. A great comic. I put a clip, uh, just a, a little caption of it, and you can go to www.wdmg.com. It's where drunk meets genius.com, and you can uh, check out the uh, Brewcasters in their comic strip debut. Doc, did you see that? Because you're in it. No, I didn't see it. Yeah, you were put into cartoon form. Uh, on on a on a comic strip, it's a great comic strip. It's really funny. Uh, you've been off the forum. I know you've been real busy, yeah. and that's where it got posted first. So you, well, I'll show it to you after the show. Okay, I'd like to see that. You're gonna actually be totally stoked. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm a cartoon. You, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised you haven't seen it. You'll be really. Your kids, your kids are gonna go nuts. They're gonna love it. It's actually, <laughs> it's it's totally kid friendly. It's fine. It is. And uh, and it, it kind of looks like you, Doc. The the cartoon looks like <laughs> the other cartoon looks like me. He did a great job uh, with all of us. So he gave me really big boobs. <laughs> he gave you big like you boobs. don't already have them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean like really, really. <laughs> like, like I said. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do a little feedback uh, real quickly. Uh, let's see. I've listened to the first couple of shows when you guys started, but I've not been able to catch your broadcast after the first few. I've come back and I'm very happy and excited to see that you now have downloadable shows. He has been away for a while, and we got our downloads up uh, fairly quickly. Holy crap, do I have some catching up to do, he says. I love that you guys did this, and the show is freaking awesome. Keep up the good work. One thing I would like to see in the future would be a troubleshooting show. I've browsed through all the archives and did not see any shows dedicated to troubleshooting and fixing flaws. I think it would be a good choice for the future. But like I said, I think I still have 15 or so shows to catch up. Keep up the good work, and that's from Jason in Wisconsin. Doc, I think that's a good idea. I do, too. A good troubleshooting flaws show. And what we'll have to do is compile a list of the common flaws. Chris Graham, I'm sure, can help us out we with that. just take one of your brew days <laughs> Yeah, tear it apart. <laughs> and then go through every single flaw that's there and uh, yeah. tell people how to fix that. Yes. We can do that. Uh, Chris, you want to help us out Absolutely. with that? Absolutely. That sounds like a fun one. That's probably kind of the stuff that you guys get around the shop all the time anyway, just people coming in with different flaws and they want you to tell them what it is. Or exactly. The, or Betty's on the phone all the time with people. It, 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 it's just hunting. You're always hunting, isolating what that one little thing is that screwed up. Yeah. You guys spend a lot. Do you, well, yeah, but you in, in particular, you spend a lot of time at the phone at B3 helping people troubleshoot things. All right, Doc. Let's let Doc answer this. How many how many hours do you think I spend a week on the phone? Or just in a day. I I, I spend 90% of his time when he's at the at, at work, he's on the phone. Yeah. 
handling somebody's problem. Gotcha. And I don't mean just like uh, problems with products that have to be rectified. I, just no, advice no, troubleshooting. Yeah. Like today I was working and probably spent six hours just going mm-hmm. through finding where people are – you know, they're not hitting their gravities they want. They're not hitting, uh, they're getting bacteria problems, but they're not major. They're just minor. Most people aren't willing to admit it's a problem. Yeah. But they need to. <laughs> right, right. We got our first caller already. It's this guy, Doc uh, Pagala. He called into the lunch meet show. I heard too. that. Hi. How He's, are you guys doing there? Hey, Doc. What's up? Doc's like a starship trooper or something. I forget. He works for some star fleet. Uh, I, I, drive, I drive transit bus, but I, I, I kind of name who they are because we're kind of in contract disputes. So for now, I work for Starfleet, okay? Okay. No worries. What can we do for you, Doc? Yeah, I had a question about your longevity of, the, of your ease. Oh, you're I, already I jumping right into that, are you? I am. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Because kind of, I've got in the uh, the fermenter right now a batch of Jamel's chocolate hazelnut porter that uh, I saved over from the from when I did JP's uh, Imperial Stout, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering how long or how many times can I can I expect to repitch with that? All right. Which yeast was it? Uh, it's your English, your English ale. How many times can you repitch your English? Uh, Chris White has made it into the studio. By the way, welcome, Chris. Thank you. It's good to see you. We've already already established that you're the ugly twin and the not cool twin, and that was all just because you're late. They can't hold his liquor. Yes, when I get here late, I guess. You've been bashed already. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have had time for a sip of beer. I have had two sips of beer, actually. Okay. Oh, that's good. So you're already primed. Oh, yeah. Uh, Real quick, and we'll go on with our feedback. Uh, How many times can you repitch your English? Um, The answer you hear a lot about fermentation is it depends. Okay. So it depends how clean the fermentation was, how good the fermentation was, how healthy the yeast was, the gravity of the beer. So there's really no right answer, but home brewing two or three times usually. Okay. All right, there you go. Thank you for the call, Doc. Uh, keep uh, calling in a, a little bit later. We're uh, like at five thirty ish. We're going to go ahead and start the uh, the yeasty talk. Until then, we're just uh, we're screwing around because Chris has got to catch up with us. And, uh, Drink your beer, man. What are you drinking, Drink, motherfucker? What, did Drink. you get it out of the keg, Chris? <laughs> the or, keg. Uh, you get okay. Yes. You're drinking really? John Pisse's Hellas. Oh, yeah. yeah. You like it? Hellas. You know John. It's, it's a Hellas. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you like it? It's good. Yes. All right, we'll talk about that later. That doesn't sound too nice. <laughs> Justin, Doc, Daniela, never before I, have I been happy to hear commercials on a radio show. But hearing more and more ads on the show means that you guys are doing well. I'm catching up from vacation, and I'm finally on the 724 show. But all the shows are great. And that's a very nice thing to say. I actually say that to uh, Doc and Daniela often and, and to some of the guests that come in here because uh, a lot of the breweries that come in and do our show and, and, and the Whites and these guys, they come in and they go, you know, uh, how, how do you do it? Like, how do, how do you afford this and the deal is basically that uh, some breweries and, and and some people have been very generous to sponsor us. Obviously, beer, beer, and more beer is uh, is our biggest and most reliable and consistent and and helpful sponsor. And everybody knows that we get emails about that all the time. That they just say, "Man, do I love B three for supporting you guys?" And uh, that's cool. So it's I, I often say to people that come in here, it's really the only uh, sort of broadcasting that I've ever experienced where our listeners ask us to put commercials on, yeah. which is amazing. Because I don't like commercials. Who likes commercials? But uh, here they're very content specific, and they have to do with the topic. And people li- they like to hear them, and it and it means that they know we're going to stick around a lot longer. So that was a nice uh, bit of feedback. Who was that? Uh, no name. He, he uh, sent anonymous. Uh, I, you'd be surprised how many orders we get with a, we give an area of, that people can write a comment in when they're ordering, or we have a help desk that they can write in. Yeah. And the amount of people, like when you guys first came on. You know, once in a blue moon, we get an email like, hey, 
uh, TBN, great stuff. Right. Keep supporting them. Cool. Now it's at least three times a week. Wow. Then I get personal ones like, hey, keep it up. Don't don't back down on those guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. I love those guys. So whoever too. whoever you're paying to do that. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> Successful. Checks in the mail, folks. Keep buying the shirts. I'll keep paying you for the comments. But they keep saying John P. at Morbier. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know what's funny? Well, I've gotten a couple and I think that they CC'd you guys. Some people write to B3 and, and these I, I, I think it's funny and, and, and very it, it really shows the dedication. They're very specific. I saw one that said it was like a master charge commercial and it's it basically said uh, money spent on b3 before the brewing network you know 15 dollars money spent after the brewing network 750 dollars <laughs> like it was some they really wanted you to know how much uh, that they uh, i thought that was uh pretty well, funny. well whoever it is out there i'm going to say thank you i won't say your name out loud but uh we got a guy right after the frugal show who purchased well over a thousand dollars worth of stuff holy saying oh. thank you for the frugal show is my favorite show so far wow it was great i learned a ton and he spent over a thousand dollars on his next <laughs> all right beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> way to go be enters <laughs> you know and that's what we need it's not just putting the commercials on the air a sponsor needs to see response to it so uh why <laughs> that's some response right there i like it beautiful all right, here's another one, and it's a question that, uh, that Doc and, and Chris Graham can help us out with from a listener. I was listening to your recent show, which was last week's, uh, on, and, and we started to talk about first wort hopping, and wanted to ask you a question regarding the calculations and figuring out the amounts to throw in a first wort. I heard someone say that you should put 30% of your total hop charge into the first wort hop. Is this in addition to the recipe schedule of hops, or do you subtract some of the boiling hops? Well, you, you could look at it two different ways. You can use this as an additional hop, okay, and take it out before the boil. Yeah, or you can keep it in there for the boil. In which case, you don't minus it from there because you're still gonna isomerize the bittering units from it. So, okay, so if you were gonna leave it in the boil, then you would subtract it from your hop. But when calculating how much you're gonna use of it, use thirty percent of what you were gonna put in for the bittering. Okay, of your total, and then you leave it in there. Okay. Yeah, because it, even if it doesn't isomerize at mash temperatures, it'll be carried over into the boil. Exactly. And then they'll be isomerized in But there. you can never have too much hops. I mean. Agreed. <laughs> Doc doesn't agree, but I do. Chris. Yeah, we won't listen to him. All right, his second part of the question then is, it doesn't matter if you're doing a 60 or a 90-minute boil. He says, I've only heard people talk about first words hopping prior to 60-minute boils, but not 90. Does it matter? Well, you're going to get more uh, hop utilization in a 90-minute, too, so you're, you're going to need to knock down your uh, total bittering hops, hop units. Yeah, I think there's also definitions that need to be established because the 60 versus 90 minute boil a lot of times is perspective. Yeah, A lot of people, as soon as it's in the boil kettle, they're calling it a boil, which I don't b- agree with. Yeah. I wait till, yeah. you know, it usually takes me 15 minutes or so to get up to the boil. Then you have the whole hot break part where you're, you're fighting the foam yeah. to the point where that gets settled down. And so some people, when they call a 90-minute boil, that's including all that stuff. Okay. For me, as soon as that that hot break settles down, that's where I start my 60-minute boil. Okay. Doc, I believe that's where you start your 90. Yeah, that's about where I start my 90. I I get everything settled, get it rolling, boiling. I start to see the the clumps hitting together, the hot break. Yeah. And that's when I put my my first charge of uh, hops in. Yeah, I guess it depends on what kind of beer you're making. If you're doing first wort hopping, you're probably not doing most of the beers that would benefit from 90-minute boils. Right. So yeah. it's kind of like I would probably be doing that with 60-minute boil-style beers. Okay. 
Now, now I think that's interesting because I, I I don't ever I wait to, for for it to really be boiling. I don't sure. I don't start it as soon as I turn on the heat, obviously. But uh, I don't wait till after the hot break. So I think that's interesting, Doc. Yeah, that you you'll let it go ahead and settle down, stabilize. I, and that's when I throw in my war- my hops. That first, same same here. You should really let it settle down because adding the hops actually creates a foaming reaction usually too. So if yeah. you're fighting the foam and adding the hops in there, yeah, you're just double negative right there. Right. I just thought that you would have to calculate for the extra time because you're boiling but i guess if there's no hops in there it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. you could boil for an hour i mean some people do 90 minute boils where they don't add the hops till to 60 the, right. they'll birdie you know boil 30 minutes then add yep okay so there's other ways around that one too plus there's some, some research out there that says getting rid of some of the hot break getting it to clump together actually help your utilization some right. mm-hmm. and not not tie up uh, a lot of the alpha acids in with the protein okay uh, someone in the chat room wants to know if you uh, skim the hot break off the top because you know you get all those chunks at the I top do. there. I'm this, a is, skim- this is Doc versus me right here. I'm a skimmer. Okay, because every time he's brewing with it, what are you doing that for? Yeah, I don't like to look at it. I've heard of a few skimmers. You don't skim, huh, Chris? No, I mean you can. There's nothing wrong with skimming. I just don't find a need for it. Gives me something to do for about yeah. I think that's minutes. more. Yeah, that's what I think too. You can take the spoon and what else are you doing, right? Exactly. Yeah. You got a beer in one hand and you're skimming with the other. That, that's that's more the point of it is to have something to do. <laughs> for me, I don't like to tinker that much. Yeah. Okay. You just leave it alone for yep. a while. I don't care about it. Skimming. <laughs> you don't skim either, Chris. No, no skimming. We should oh, point oh. out that Chris is a homebrew. Mike, you homebrew also. Occasionally. Occasionally. Are you a skimmer? <laughs> Would you skim off that junk on the top? Absolutely not. No. I love it all. You just leave it all in there. You're not taking out proteins or anything when you're skimming, it's are all you? It's all right. No, it's you're fine. You're taking out the, the it hot wouldn't, It wouldn't be enough to really make yeah. an impact. And it's stuff you, if it's going to settle out as hot break anyway, yeah, that's what you want. You're not going to want it to go into the fermenter anyway. So do you admit, Doc, though, that it's really sort of pointless? Or, or I don't like looking at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's because you got ADD and stuff, though. You're, like, really <laughs> freaked out about all... And I'm the same way, though. Like, if it looks freaky to me, I don't want it there. So yeah, it's... It's, it's, a, it's an obsessive-compulsive thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a simple trick for all you guys worrying about boil over, especially if you're in smaller pots, um, ice water in a uh, spray bottle is the easiest thing yeah. to help control it. And just spray around the, the lip of the kettle. Right. Cool that down enough so that as the hop uh, or the hot proteins come straight up... They'll kind of go more towards the center and fall back in instead of coming out all over the place. And that's a great idea because we've talked about it before that if you're doing the blow on it method to get your foam down, you might pass out and fall in. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not do that. Yeah. So this, I like the spray bottle and the ice cube idea. Yeah. You can stir it too if you don't have that right away. Break the surface tension until yeah. it starts really boiling. And by the way, when you're boiling your yeast starter, especially if you're doing it in an Erlenmeyer flask, again, the having a couple ice cubes handy if it's going to start boiling over as you're. Uh, you're cooking it there yeah. spray bottle will work just fine you it there okay i use foam control and it doesn't happen i would just suggest to not ask mike white to help you watch the boil <laughs> yeah <laughs> you'll turn around and he'll be in the other room <laughs> <laughs> like watching football or something what happens Get another beer. You just get sidetracked. I, I need to get another beer. I need to to talk to people. Uh, yeah. This hobby requires a lot of patience. Yeah, and, um, you're a busy guy. Well, <laughs> he's exaggerating, uh, <laughs> and keep that in mind. That some of his other answers. Okay. Uh, no, just joking. <laughs> yeah, everything is an exaggeration coming out of Chris. I've noticed that. <laughs> 
I actually exaggerate about Chris myself. Like Daniela and I do this because uh, I have this opinion of Chris. I, I love it when Chris is hanging out with us, and I'm going to do it all through the show too. Because I, j- for some reason, I just think that Chris knows everything. So do I. That there is to know about everything. So as Daniela and I are arguing about things during the week or, or whatever it may be, especially if it's anything scientific, could have nothing to do with yeast. I go, yeah. Well, you wait till Chris is back <laughs> yeah. because we're going to ask Chris. And I do the same. As, exactly. We're going <laughs> to yeah. ask him. Yeah. He's going to tell you. Like we were having this <laughs> argument. We'll have it afterward with you. But we were having an argument about uh, when you can get suntan and sunburn. And I say that after four o'clock in the day, the the sun is at such an angle that the UV rays are no longer strong enough because they're refracted through the Earth's atmosphere. You like all this, Doc? They're refracted through the Earth's <laughs> atmosphere to such a point that you can't get a tan or a sunburn. And, and Daniela, I say that's incorrect because not in our region where we are located. It doesn't matter where the sun is. You can still Chris get White, sunburned. After 4 o'clock, sunburn or not? I don't think so. <laughs> I told you he knows everything. All right. <laughs> he grows yeast for a living. Yes. So uh, if there's anything you want to know during today's show, just feel free to call and ask. I have this itch. <laughs> yeah, <got> that. <laughs> Mayonnaise. Leave that one. <laughs> well, he knows that too. A little mayo will help. All right. The last uh, bit of feedback, because this this one's important. I really like this one, Doc, and so will you. It says, uh, hey, I want to thank you and Jamil and Doc and John and Daniela for putting together such a great show. After taking almost four years off from home brewing, listening to the BN has got me brewing again, and I just yeah. entered my first home brewing competition. Yeah, I like that. He said, I was really curious to get feedback from the judges on my beers and decided to take Jamil's advice and go ahead and give it a go. To my surprise, I ended up winning first place in my category using English Pale Ale with Jamil's Ordinary Bitter Recipe. I don't belong to any local clubs, and I feel like the BN is my club. So I entered my brew using the Brewing Network as my club affiliation. I still can't believe I placed and have to thank you for all the great information you and your guests have provided. Can't wait to hear the next show. And that's from Chris from Groton, Massachusetts. All you people who don't know who to enter as, if you're not in, just write Doze. It's easier. Yeah. <laughs> write the BN. <laughs> the Doze is uh, is uh, also the, the local club around here. I actually... Uh, officially uh, submitted our name to the Brewers Association or the, to the AHA though to, for the Brewing Network to be a club. Very good. And I just put a comment because I don't want to take away from local homebrew clubs. I think you should join your local homebrew club and have the face-to-face interaction and the people to brew together with. So what I put as our uh, as our comments was: if you don't have a local club and not enough people to start one, join ours because we're a global club and essentially we have meetings every week. We have them right here <laughs> at five o'clock on the Brewing Network. Twelve step. It's <laughs> so uh, that's the deal with that. Go ahead and uh, join the Brewing Network Club. And Hey, glad that we helped. And you should take Jamil's advice and enter competitions just to get feedback on on your beer because it really is a, a great experience. I Daniela agree. got a medal. Uh, she was wearing it around proudly this week. <laughs> you made me wear it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> now, I got a certificate, and we've talked about this. And So at first I was sort of pacified by the certificate, and then I realized because I've got your envelope here too, Doc. I was wondering what happened to that. You guys both got certificates too. You got your medals and a, and a certificate. And it doesn't say like a certificate because you got like, it doesn't say fourth place or anything. It says 
in recognition of your 27 points, here's a certificate. Yeah, the, so it doesn't mean that, like everybody got certificates. Well, they get different certificates for different levels of points. There you mm-hmm. go. So if you make a, over 30, you're going to get one kind. Over 35, you'll get a different kind of certificate. What, so, what you, competition? What's the cutoff? What's the what's the bottom point? I think it's 26. <laughs> what, what, what was it's the competition? It's 26 points. Uh, that was, that was uh, the California... Uh, California Southern, State Southern California Homebird Championship. Okay. Yeah. I won silver. You didn't hear that? No. 39 points. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty good. 39 is a great score. Yeah. I mean, a lot of competitions really make me laugh, especially ones geared more towards commercial breweries, mm. i.e. California State Fair. Uh-huh. Every brewery you walk into has a medal from that. Because every person who enters gets a medal. See, as I don't far, like that. As far as I understand it. Because yeah. <laughs> it's all by county and yeah. by style. So every style in every county gets first, second, and third place. Right. So you could have 10 people saying, yeah, I got a golden IPA at the California State Fair because they're all entering as different counties. Yeah. Mm. See, I think that there has to be winners and there has to be losers. Well, that's why like Great American Beer Festival is a better judge of breweries than something like California State Fair. You'd think that someone like me wouldn't advocate that there should be losers. You think I should advocate that? Absolutely. It's just a given. (laughs) (laughs) But I do. I think that there should never be a tie and that there should always be winners and losers. You're always going to be sad in your life. And not everybody should get a certificate either. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're just bitter. (laughs) You are. Yeah. Okay, it's time to move on to our new segment. Um, We're going to do this every week. Doc, you missed out on this last week. It's a great new segment. It's called Daniela's World Vigorously. And it's all about things that happen outside of the United States. A lot of times I get accused of being too regional, and uh, and, and I just don't know enough about the... I'm not worldly enough. But Daniela is, and so she's going to scour the globe for things about beer and beer culture and different rituals that uh, happen all over the place, all across the globe. Related to beer. And that's how we invented Daniela's World Vigorously. Daniela, what do you have for us this week? Today, I thought we should do some education. The, since the Belgian invasion here in our house, sort of, like we, dry, we drink Belgians now all the time. Dr. Scott has brought many over, and we really appreciate that beer. I thought we could do some education, and so I flew in a couple of friends from Paris who are going to help us to pronounce Belgian names correctly and who are going to help us to explain what those words mean. I love it. All right. Cool. So should we take this call first? Of course you should. So we won't be in the dark about those labels anymore. That's right. Well, and what happens is that we, I think, tend to... To mispronounce things, uh, not because we're dumb necessarily, Everybody does. but well, like even when we talk to craft brewers about certain uh, beers from Belgium and, and different things, I think that it just becomes common that we stick to a name because that's what we've heard over of and course. over. Well, now we're going to get the authentic pronunciation. Right. And I mispronounce things all the way. I mean, vigorously is a good example, and yeah, I don't want to yeah. do that anymore. No, except for that, you have to stick with that. Uh, I'll stick with vigorously. No, caller, you're on the Brewing Network. What can we do for? Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Not much. Who are we talking to? Crotch. Hey, Crotch. How are you? I'm good. What, are you hiding under um, somebody's a... bed or something? You're a little quiet over there. No, I'm still playing around with my uh, my Skype a little bit. It's, uh, oh, okay. it's been messing up lately. All right. What do we got? I got the dogs wrestling in the front yard being nice and distracting. Nice. <laughs> you hear them? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. That's a good thing. Oh, I actually, I kind of can hear them, yeah. So the Rottweilers yeah. uh, um, wrestling with the children next door? Yeah. They're playing. Swing, swinging from the tail of the horse. <laughs> um, <laughs> what can we do for you? I, I wanted to know, what's the uh, best way to uh, reculture yeast out of the fermenters? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, if I just have like a standard bucket or a, or a carboy, um, what's the best way to get that yeast back out and what's the best thing to store them in? Boy, people are pushing us right along I know. today, aren't they? <laughs> Is it because we started 10 minutes late that we have to get right to the yeast discussion? Is that what's happening? No. I, I, it's just a good question. Just, just the question I have because right. I like to – I'm frugal. <laughs> it's a good question. Is it a long answer? Do you want to wait to do the answer? Or can you? It's a long answer. Yeah. So let's hang on a sec. Let's get through Daniela's world vigorously. Crotch, do me a favor and uh, put it in the chat room to Daniela, just so that we make sure we get to it. And we'll do that first thing when we start the East discussion. PM me, Crotch. Sounds, sounds good. All right. Thanks, brother. Later. Cheers. I'll fight with the animals over there. All right. So in my Vigoros Belgian world, mm-hmm. I have uh, found this website, which was actually pretty nice. It's called www.belgianstyle.com. And I've browsed a little bit through this, and I found uh, a lot of information about Belgian. So we start with the Lambic Ales. Mm-hmm. So my friends from Paris here, um, Delphine and Yen are here, and they're going to help me to pronounce this. A, we, you all know the style Goose, right? Goose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce it properly? Goose. <laughs> Goose. Goose. Very close. All right. It's very close. It's a blend of ancient young lambic ale. Is that correct, Jan? Yep. Yeah. Is that yeah. proper? Okay. Then what we drink here all the time is the raspberry flavored lambic ale, and we tend to call it framboise. Yeah, Doc. What do you say? I say framboise. Yeah. And and Chris Graham, where's he at? Is he I know What do you say, Chris? <laughs> He's got a mouthful of food. I love it. Chris White, what do you say? Frambois. Yeah, I think that that's the common thing that uh, e- craft brewers and all of us call it frambois. We don't call it framboise. We don't call it framboise, which, uh, what is the proper, and, and what is frambois? What does it mean? It's a French word, yeah? Raspberry. Yes. And French what is it a French word for? Raspberry. Okay. And how, what's the proper pronunciation? Framboise. Raza. Framboise. So you actually do pronounce the end of the word. Yeah, we do. See, I think it's really interesting that we just sort of assumed that the S and the E are, are silent at the end there. Right? Uh, so do I. Why would we assume that? What's the rule, Yan? And whether um, you pronounce the end or you don't? Usually, if there's an E, you pronounce it. Okay. And an S with two vowels on each side of the S yeah. is Z, and if there's two S, then it's S. Okay. But in this okay. case, it's a Z. It's a yeah, framboise. framboise. Yeah. I find it interesting to note that it's raspberry because it helps you understand why this beer is called framboise, actually. Of because course. it is a raspberry-flavored lambic, and I think that's very good to know. Because I always get confused with those labels. Why is this beer that? Why is an IPA an IPA? Mm-hmm. I've learned why. Yeah. So that's good. And now you know. Framboise. Um, of what course, else? there's a lot of other Belgian styles. Um, we all know how to pronounce uh, Chimay. I do that right, right? It's yeah. a Chimay. That's the Trappist Abbey Ale. Um, we all right. know um, West Male. That's correct too, right? Uh, maybe it's uh, Flemish. Oh, Not that's sure. Flemish. Uh. That's a different thing too, because in Belgian they speak French and Flemish, uh. and Flemish is some weird mix out of French, German, Dutch, and everything mm. I can imagine. So, do the do the Flemish do a V for their W's or a W? For the W's, because Daniela would say vest male. Vest ma- I guess male. it's more like something like German. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's correct. All right. Another very good thing that you like in order to recover from your hangovers mm, is yeah. the golden. It's um, here. It's categorized as a golden ale, mm-hmm. and that's the duvel. Uh-huh. That's how I pronounce it. We've heard it differently though too from really good Belgian br- Belgian beer brewers even. Yeah, we often hear a duvel. Duvel is one way that people say it, or duvel. Uh, and what's the proper way to? Say? Is that a French word as well? I think so. It, duvel. Okay. Uh-huh. It's kind of the second way you say it. Duvel. Du- duvel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so that's duvel. So it's definitely not duvel. 
And the interpretation okay. it gives here is it's the classic golden special. Okay. That's what I develop. Is beautiful beer as well, I would say. Great beer. Good for hangovers. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Hoe Garden is a uh, wit beer too, right? Uh, that the wit beer is not a French word. The Hoe Garden oh, nice. is it. So that's how, though, I think how you would pronounce it. What about the Lambic cherry flavored Lambic ale? The I would say Krieg. 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 Yeah. Do you guys know that word? Dr. Sure. Scott? How would you say it as an American? We say creek as, a, as an American. <laughs> <laughs> or crick, if, you do, if you're from the Midwest. <laughs> Going down to the creek. <laughs> Going down to the creek. So I guess the only difference there is that we say it creek as if it were spelled like a little body of water yes. flowing down a hill. Uh, we would say creek. But it's but there's a roll in there. There's like a... What's well, the R? Right? Well, but there's also the... <laughs> thing happening. <laughs> there's the <laughs> thing happening. How do you yeah. say it properly? Creek. Creek. Nice. Okay. It's more the R than the H, yeah. then, Creek. isn't it? Yeah. Oh. Okay, so you do both in there. Right. Um, Dr. Scott, do you have any idea where the word lambic comes from? Why is it a lambic? Don't know. You don't know. Jan gave me one possible lambic. interpretation. I wasn't able to confirm that on the Internet, but uh, we were talking about the storage thing, right? But apparently it's not that. It's alambic. It's, it's totally something else. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's not doesn't apply. No. All right. Mm -hmm. So we know it's duvel. Mm -hmm. It's framboise. Framboise with a Z, not an no. S. Is it? Yeah. Framboise. Yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. All right. That was learning French, Belgian with Daniela. It's the first thing I've ever learned on this show. <laughs> <laughs> you listened? It's how to pronounce framboise properly. <laughs> we'll see if you can remember it later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt it. <laughs> so what do you think, Doc? Uh, like, It's very common for all of us to say framboise, and that's what people expect us to say. Will, do you, will you change what you call it now? Of course. Yeah? Oh, yeah. I think we should. I'll be correcting other people. Yeah, too. I think we really should and, and say it the right way. Even though they're going to expect us to say framboise, we should say, no, it's framboise. I mean, how, don't you cringe when somebody calls it a hefweizen? Yeah. Or a hefweizen. Yeah, yeah. Hefeweizen. Yeah. There's also, uh, actually, I think th there could be a, a, like a small coffee table book on ways to fuck up hefeweizen. Because there's tons of ways that people say it, right? Well, hefeweizen is my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that's I'm a like, good Where's one. the cow? Give me one of them hefeweizens to take down to the crick. <laughs> yeah, there's uh, terrible ways to pronounce hefeweizen. Daniela, what's the uh, authentic way for Hefeweizen? Hefeweizen. No, it's easy. Or Weizbier is uh, actually what it is. Weizenbier. Anyway. Weizenbier. Mm -hmm. oh, it's not Weizbier. No. Okay. That's not a word. Not a word. We made that up. <laughs> you did. We tend to do that. <laughs> we, did. we did. Especially me. <laughs> in the we sense. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Of course, we're here with the White Brothers from White Labs Yeast Company, and real happy to have them. We're going to talk all things yeast uh, the entire show. I know you guys are anxious to get to it, so when we come back, we'll get right down to business and start talking yeast with Chris White and Mike White right here on the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. We are the most popular beer program out there in the internet world, by far, and I think we'll keep it the way we do it. If, if, if you want the fancy stuff, well, email me and tell me. 
we'll put it in if you want. I've got all this fancy software I could bloody, you know, play around and have all the funny introductions. For ten minutes of the program only at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm doing a three-hour program, a five-hour program, yeah, I've got to fill it out. You know, how do you fill it out? Yeah, big, long introductions, big, long, Music, funny yeah, yeah. things. Let's, let's play a song from such and such. Yeah, right? you know, but and have all this sort of crappy stuff in the thing. But no... Sunday night, five o'clock rolls around. What's that sound? The voice of the brewing underground. I rush home. What's with the Abacast stream? Goddamn, it's almost time. Why don't you work? Fucking thing, it's 502. I reboot. Ass at iTunes. I hope Justin made the free FM commute. I'm on. Thank God, not a moment too soon. Holy shit, I just got booted out of the chat room. I won't rack, motherfucker, when you do your risk. And oh, too, I'll hail the local Jay-Z. Do like we told you, do what he say. Well, okay, at least mostly. And hit that fucking whirlpool by the road. Sometimes I don't, and I won't bitch. More than a little bitch. Vile of that sweet shit that likes like that arrow. Damn, my yeast will not prove and fucking booth being rude. Boom, that goes to blow off food and fuck this old chat room. I want out, Justin Chef. That goes by chocolate stout. And I never want to hear the word run high skip about. I give up. 50G, why don't you push eject me? I'm screaming Gucci when he pushes me off the screen. Jamil, JP, Johnny G, I can't think, I can't think, but then I hear Doc's little voice in my ear screaming drink, motherfucker, drink, motherfucker, drink. The BN. going for a silver or gold. The BN. But do I bitch form a cold? The BN. Groove and unrefined. The Bruin Network. I'm saying five gallons at a time. The BN. going for a silver or gold. The BN. Don't know to bitch form a cold. The BN. Groove and unrefined. The Bruin Network. I'm saying five gallons at a time. I need some TBN. Bark. What a shock. There's only holding the stock. Tick tock. The visa's unlocked. Sean. Knock, knock, doc. Can you walk the walk? Pull out an airlock, a cock in his world flock. There's no mod box into the match. Goes a bunch crack like a true breeder. It's type of pale ale, my man, Boogita. Flooper, you beard nerd. That's how you just heard. The only man I know whose name is a cuss word. Come hanging with Jays. I'm a jest and haggerty. And no one understands a word Daniela says. Either biscuit, the pit bull, or code right in full. We'll sniff your crack if you got the Jane hat. Do line Excel, where's my hat? Go tip pound mad bet. Trans is a little fat and lunch me some grass ass. And what about Crouch Rock? He's more than just down the block. And then there's homegrown hops. He's missing just like I No, I don't know. I can't see. I can't see. But then I hear Doc's little voice in my ear. And then who's gonna be out in the desert with me? The BN. Got me going for a silver or a gold. The BN. But do I pinch warm or cold? The BN. Crew and unrefined. The Bruin Network. I'm saving five gallons at a time. The BN. Got me going for a silver or a gold. The BN. Don't know to pinch warm or cold. The BN. I could have mixed it with chocolate and vagina. It still wouldn't help. Drink! And now, back to the Brewcasters. And the Yeast Show on the Sunday Brewcast right here on the Brewing Network. I've got Chris and Mike White with us today, and we're going to talk all things yeast. You can call us at 888-401-BEER. You can join us in the chat room and ask Danielle the questions. She'll pass them along, or you can Skype us at the Brewing Network. And I've already got a bunch in front of me for you guys, too. I was telling Mike earlier, Chris, you know, before you got here, 
that uh, <laughs> we, had <a> little time, <laughs> we had a little time there. <laughs> that uh, I even got emails and people uh, sending in questions ahead of time. So everyone was real s- excited about getting you guys in here. Great. Now, you've done our show before, but uh, you did it over the phone last time. Uh, how do you feel about being in the uh, Brewcast studio with us? I like the studio. It's fun, huh? Oh, it's professional. You can drink with us now? That's right. I'm not in my living room. No. <laughs> <laughs> Although we practically are, so uh, it's, it's almost the same. Chris Graham likes to come into the studio and hang out with us. It's so much better than Skype. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right, so I got a few questions lined up in front of me. Did you get Crotchrot's question through to you, Daniela, back in the... He's just messing with me right now, so I have to get through All to right. him again. Uh, he'll just have him type it out or, or something so we can get to that whole sure. thing. Uh, although I do know that uh, uh, one thing that he was getting at uh, is, and, and people have already been asking about this, and, and the question is about reusing yeast. A lot of people want to know how to do it as, as home brewers uh, because professionals do it all the time. So we've talked about before on the show about yeast washing because uh, you want to kind of get the junk from your last beer uh, off of the yeast, essentially. So we've talked about different methods. Uh, people want to know uh, what, are the, what are the ways to do it. Do you, do you, is there a good way to wash our yeast so that we can reuse it? I would say washing yeast is one of those things that is not really that important. Okay. It was invented, it was done more commonly in the 1800s and, then, and obviously since then, but to... Remove lactic acid bacteria. Okay. Because when you acid, when you wash, especially when you acid wash, you bring the pH down to 2.2, 2.0, 2.2, a lot of bacteria die, or at least get knocked down a little bit. So it, in, um, and so then you could reuse the yeast and have less contribution from the lactic acid bacteria. But with today's brewing practices, and, and even in home brewing, when you can collect yeast in a pretty clean way, uh, you don't necessarily need to acid wash, and it's fairly aggressive on the on the yeast. And even if you just wash without the acid, yeah. If you're just washing to remove protein, it's really not. It's a it's an extra step that can introduce more problems and contamination. That's really, really not necessary. So you've got some hops and trube there. Yeah. You know, it doesn't really matter, and it doesn't really hurt the yeast. Um, okay. Uh, the little bit of trube that's there is actually a good fatty acid material for the yeast uh, that they they can use and metabolize a little bit. Really? For their own cells, so as a nitrogen source as well so there's a lot there that's actually good for the yeast okay see because i think what people want to they want to take it and then store it in the fridge for a while right they might because what i do and people give me shit about this uh some people say it's great a lot of people say you shouldn't do that i'll repitch right on top i'll rack my beer off and if i can brew you know regularly enough i'm just going to dump wort right on top of that that old pitch if i can i i've done it a few times with cal ale Right. And I've you, not had a problem, but uh, some people say I, I'm too dirty for doing that. Well, <laughs> you hear home brewers doing that, and uh, microbiologists uh, will cringe at it because you're not cleaning anything really. Yeah. So if there is any problems in there, or, or there's just there's it's not sterile to begin with, so there's always some bacteria and wild yeast around. Okay. So you're not and you're not getting so you're not cleaning the vessel, you're not getting the yeast out of there and then looking at it, but. Um, and it's something that professionals don't do either. Um, it's really a homebrew thing because it just leads to too much yeast also. Okay. But a few times in homebrewing, it seems to work for a lot of people. And, uh, okay. again, it's it's almost uh, you're, you're working with it less, so maybe it's okay. Yeah. You're manipulating it yet less. But if you continue to do that, it would really be overpitching because yeast grow four or five fold. Yeah. In a fermentation, and you, so you at least want to take that yeast out and split it in two, in thirds or so. Okay. And so if you use all of it, it, you can just have some flavor problems from too much. Okay. 
Well, now, correct me if I'm wrong here, Doc. Make sure that I get this right, because we've had some folks on the show talk about, uh, you know, when you, when you take the yeast then out and you and you want to store it, that, that, that one way you should clean it, it's with distilled water, right, Doc? And you, you put it in a container with distilled water, and that will actually separate the uh, tube that, the tube from the yeast? That's what Jamil does. Yeah. So is that now, so you're saying that that is, even that's an unnecessary step? Well, there's nothing wrong with doing that. Okay. But the benefits, I think it's, um, may not outweigh the potential problems you can have. If you're an advanced brewer and you like working with yeast, um, and, and washing it, it'll perhaps give you a little bit longer shelf life in your refrigerator. Okay. Um, but, you really have to get the protein and things out. You have to get the distilled water. So you have to do it a few times, yeah. uh, three times, really, to just have it yeast and distilled water. And I think the data on the yeast living in distilled water is, is mixed. We've never we've got uh, lots of different results on it as well. So okay, um, whether yeast live any better in distilled water or in the wort that you collected from, I think is not not really known. Okay, so, so possibly longevity, but off flavors, not really. Right. Okay. So you're more of an advocate of uh, less handling. Less handling. I think what happens, yeast can suffocate a little bit in storage and things. What you need to do is you need to crack that opening a lot, you know, let the gas out, mix the yeast up a little bit, and once in a while perhaps even feed it, but which is more manipulation. So it's it's questionable whether you even should do that. But yeah. It's, it, a lot of it is getting rid of the gas. And by perhaps if you are washing distilled water, you're also going to have less food sources there, so you will create less gas. And But if you just release the gas yeah. once a day... The then, it, then it's not so bad anyway. Right. Okay. You're already doing that, aren't you? I At least. <laughs> <laughs> once every uh, few minutes, right? Daniela? You used to have a problem, too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. Well, now, I've had a lot of conversations about the, the questions that we're going to talk to Chris about today. And uh, I, I want to say that, that uh, Chris is actually he's great at, at, at answering things in, in a very real way about uh, what it is that he does. And some of the things I think him and I have, have kind of come to the conclusion very often that uh, some of the things are best tested side by side and that, that you should do it. You should possibly wash your yeast. And or uh, and and brew a batch like that, and then and then on the next one you should just uh, take it right from the troop. Don't wash it. Put it in the fridge, and when you're ready to brew, brew with that one and see what flavor comes out. And I uh, and I've got some specific questions in mind for you, Chris. That that, that the same thing is going to come out where you've even said to me, you know what, you should. We've tested it and uh, not really noticed much of a difference, but you should test it too. You know, kind of right. find out. Um, okay, if you're going to harvest the yeast from your from your last batch, should we do it from our primary fermenter or our secondary fermenter? People want to know. It's a good question. I get that a lot. You really want the most healthy yeast possible. And traditionally what you should do is let the yeast ferment out the beer, let the yeast drop in the primary fermenter, and then collect that yeast. It's the yeast that fermented the beer. It's dropping quickest but after fermentation. So for an ale, that's one day after fermentation. For a lager, say four four or five days after fermentation, you collect that yeast, and that is the most healthy, the best. The yeast that's still in solution that may drop out later in cold conditioning or secondary is yeast that's not very flocculent, yeast that's going to be slow to attenuate, and a little bit smaller cells when you look at them in the microscope. And so I suggest the primary, if it's done where you let fermentation finish out, if you're taking yeast, you shouldn't really be taking yeast before, I don't think you should really transfer a beer before the end of fermentation anyway. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you'll be dealing with such flocculent yeast 
that will start dropping out midway through fermentation. And if you transfer it then and don't take that yeast with it, yeah. you're going to have a hard time finishing out that beer. Okay. So that's another thing that can introduce more problems by trying to transfer a beer too early. Sure. You definitely want to wait. Yes. Now, Doc, you do repitching sometimes, right? Sometimes. What do you do? Do you clean your yeast? Do you take it from secondary? What's your method? No, I, se- I try. I have a, the conical, so I try to separate it out, and most of the stuff I don't want comes out first. Okay. And then I'll usually take the second pitch. Yeah. Uh, I have a sight glass that goes on the bottom of my conical, mm-hmm. so inch and a quarter, and probably six inches long, and it it goes into there, and I can see what the layers look like, and I can take take different segments of that. Yeah. And then I cap both sides of it. Use that. Now, if I got a conical, would I also have a six-inch long thing? <laughs> yeah, it would, yeah, probably. If I bought it from B3, is that the standard? It, we built that for Doc, but I, I built that for a lot of other people, too. Okay. It tends to be... Like, I get all those emails about Viagra and everything else, and I think <laughs> that Doc came to B3 with the same kind of problem. It's like, <laughs> I, I obviously have a problem, and I... Definitely got to be six inches of something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. you know, and it's not so much the six inch part, but it's an inch and a quarter <laughs> in diameter. Right. <laughs> that actually is important. Yeah. Nice. I, I because what's the point if you can't hit the sides? Right. Yeah. I, I will. T- oh I'll try to end this part of the discussion. Everyone. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I'll, I'll chime in for a second from the shop's perspective. Mm-hmm. Think of this, people. Before you go to your shop and start complaining that either you made a bad batch from reusing yeast too many times or having a ton of questions. Think of it this way is almost I've, I've been around home brewing for 14 years and I've just do it day in, day out. Most people who brew a lot will tell you that rarely does a brew day go the same. So if you say you do the same experiment, you have four batches in a row, but trying different things, chances are there are four different beers. Yeah. You probably timing on one thing, maybe an ingredient change because the supplier was out or whatever. So, so keep all that in mind. Yeast is probably one of the least expensive things in your batch of beer. Yeah. So keep that in mind. But it's the only thing you can reuse. Nobody reuses hops. You can't reuse malt. Right. Um, but yeast, since you can reuse it, everyone wants to. Yeah. Um, I, I see a lot of people trying to go right on top of their last beer. Know what your last beer tastes like before you do that. Because if you had bacteria problems, guess what? It's compounded probably how many times, Chris, do you think? You know, it's going to be worse in the second one. Yeah. yeah it just keeps getting worse second and third time by third time probably undrinkable yeah yeah okay and and, and you'll hear a lot of breweries going through 16 17 generations they're hopefully using microscopes they're hopefully yeah you know knowing what they're doing feeding the proper nutrients things like cervomyces is going to help out quite a bit yeah um another great white labs product um servo yeah Mm -hmm. and then knowing proper ways of Leaving behind as much protein between your boil kettle and your fermenter, yeah. leaving the hops out of it. Those are all things that are going to allow you. And the most important thing is time. If you're not going to brew but once every two months, don't try to reuse your yeast. That's ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, I don't even try if I'm going to be doing you know, batches that far apart. If I'm, okay. I'm going to be doing one week and then the next week, I, I might try it, but it's not that big a deal. I, I, I could just do a yeast starter or I'll reculture. Yeah. And grow it up from a culture. I have slants at home. I'll use those and culture up. Yeah. And kind of know yourself. If, you know, like, I mean, this is a great hobby, and there's so many aspects of the hobby you could be into. I know guys who build microprocessor chips to control their temp 
during fermentation of the refrigerator, raise and lower it. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. But yet they don't know a single thing about how to handle yeast properly. Right. So know that. Know to just pitch the vial right in there instead of trying to... um, to harvest and to regrow, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, yeah. and work around that. And by the way, Chris was uh, what he was thinking in his head there was plugging in Justin for every one of those sentences. <laughs> Justin, know yourself. <laughs> Justin, just pitch the vial. Hey, you hear what you want to hear, pal? <laughs> well, when Justin, I think your idea here is not when you pitch on top of it because you're frugal. Yeah, no, it's not frugal with an L. <laughs> it's because you can do it. It's usually why people yeah. do it. Well, uh, yeah, well, it's easy. It's right. He doesn't, it's have, he doesn't have to. He's lazy. He doesn't have to wash the carboy, and he doesn't Correct. have to make a yeast starter. Correct. And and he, I know I'm going to get a fast fermentation. Fast fermentation, yeah. mm-hmm. and he could have beer in his glass that much quicker. You're right. Although I I I completely agree with Chris Graham, and I'm glad that you did point that out because I do know that as I'm pitching on my last batch, I know that if that batch had anything wrong with it, so is the work. That I'm going to throw on there. But because of all the problems that I have with brewing, contamination has never been one of them. I'm sort of rolling the dice every time and just assuming that my practices are consistent and I'm going to be fine with contamination. And But, I, but I'm but i definitely, I, I'm sort of weighing the risk with my laziness and uh, realizing that if I want a nice, fast uh, for, uh, fermentation start, but I've not done a starter, it's a, a, a easy way for me to do it is to go ahead and gamble and throw it right on top of that yeast. Well, Scott will tell you, I, I'm as lazy as it gets. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, you don't find an easier way every time. I'm anal retentive about sanitization, but I'm lazy as it gets when it comes to most things. Yeah. So making a starter is way too much work for me. I just right. pitch three vials. Right. Well, it's just a lot easier. Wow. Right. And we're going to talk about that later, own homebrew too. store. He <laughs> right. can do that. We're definitely going to talk about pitching vials. I think, and, and when you talk about repitching, it's yeast handling. And that's why the more we know about yeast handling and how to use yeast, you're going to understand some of the ways to reuse yeast, but it's it's yeast handling and it's the microbiology of preventing contamination. There's really two things. Yeah. You're trying to keep the yeast healthy and yeah. happy so it can do that next fermentation because uh, it doesn't really like it after the end of fermentation. Um, yeast has been in an anaerobic environment. There's uh, there's alcohol around, and so they're a little stressed out, and yeah. so they start dying off a little faster. And so there's the stress there, and then you try to store them, and then they die. And so yeast storage is also about how healthy was the fermentation itself. Um, But then you've also got the other – so there's the handling, and then there's the contamination. So – and sometimes they're related. If the yeast is not very healthy, it's not going to fend off bacteria and other and wild yeast. So the culture can, can become contaminated if it's not very healthy. And sometimes a healthy culture can become contaminated because of handling techniques. Okay. None of Doc's have ever been contaminated because Doc is our in-house genius, and I'm sure is that, that all is? of your uh, all of your uh, yeast that you keep on uh, on slants has been perfect every time, right, Doc? Yeah, or I don't use it, or, <laughs> or reculture it out and then cut out the bad parts. Yeah, but you, I think you don't have. Uh, contamination problems because you're such a germaphobe. Exactly. Uh, well, I, I actually, I'm really uh, relating to Chris Graham by saying that, uh, yes, I'm lazy, but I'm very anal retentive about sanitation, and yeah, I'm a germaphobe, and I'm cleaning everything all, all the time, so I, I'm pretty good about that. Yeah. Mike White, did uh, Chris White bore you to death as a child uh, because he, he's such a, uh, he's, he's a he's a chemist. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I can hang out with Doc and have fun because he likes to drink beer, but if he starts talking med school with me, I don't hear a <laughs> word. You know what I'm saying? I want to know who got the chicks. No, I have to uh, uh, 
keep the attention here because uh, if Chris has uh, if Chris can't think of the answer, he's going to turn to me. Yeah, and I've got to fill in the blanks. Right, and, uh, and you're that the go-to guy. That happens quite often, so uh, <laughs> that's why I'm staying. Uh, uh, keeping a keen ear to yeah. everything that is going on. As you should. Uh, the man needs checks and balances, especially because I just give him carte blanche. Like, whatever he says, it's got to be right. The sun is headed toward the earth. Okay. Right, and, and he's going to kind of look at me, and uh, I've got to give him the nod if it's, if it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. I, I've, so, I've sort of noticed that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, you've actually just started working with the company. My, uh, how long have you been working with, with the company now? I've been working with the company since uh, January, but I've been um, uh, affiliated or uh, I've been around, obviously, since since yeah. the beginning. I saw Chris start the company uh, on the side, out of his house, yeah. uh, with a few friends, and uh, I saw it grow to uh, what really people didn't expect, right. um, certainly in the beginning when things were really tough, and um, except him. He always believed in it. and uh, Somebody had to. Yes. Yeah. And, um, uh, and I've... I, I've become more involved over the years. I I do the White Labs newsletter, okay, and uh, things of those nature. I work you, on the web. Does that mean you work in the mailroom? Uh, yeah, the digital one. <laughs> Nepotism. Yeah. I got my brother a job in the mailroom. It's a complicated <laughs> mailroom. I know the newsletters, Mike. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's a complicated mailroom. Made uh, it for everybody. Here's what I, uh, you can go to whitelabs.com. Right, it is just whitelabs.com, isn't it? We've also got their logo right on our main page, and you can click on that and sign up for the newsletter. I actually hadn't realized that you guys had a newsletter. I was reading through it to prepare for the interview, and it's a great newsletter. You got a lot of information in there. Yes. So you can sign up for that. Uh, so Thank I'm you. thinking. So you kind of, uh, you know, you you figured I better keep my job because if Chris totally fucks up, like at least that's only on him. But if it goes well, then maybe I'll help the guy out. Well, uh, the the company is uh, is grown to a, to a, to a point where uh, I can be useful in, yeah. in a lot of different things, and uh, so that's why I'm I'm working with them now. I think um, that's cool. I tell you, my ideal situation—if I could uh, employ my brother, get him on board, and afford to to pay the man—I really, I, honestly, I think that it's great to have a family business like that, and I do it in a second. You know, I really think it's cool, and I think that you guys know each other better uh, than, say, some other kind of a partner uh, that 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 you're just kind of taking on out of nowhere. And uh, I, I think it's a cool thing. I was actually—it uh, was a heartwarming story for me, Doc. <laughs> yeah, it would be great if you could start paying me. Yeah, that for be cool. a start, <laughs> that'd kind of be cool. And Doctor Scott, yeah, yeah, what the heck, <laughs> <laughs> Scott, Scott? How many brothers do you employ? Yeah, <laughs> see, <Exactly. laughs> wait, I've, I've met his brothers. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry, Dave. <laughs> I think Dave's in the chat room. Triple eight four zero one beers the number if you want to call in and ask any questions you got there. I was just going to say it is. It was a kind of difficult question uh, thing to hire Mike because. You know, he had been in journalism as a newspaper writer since we were both at college together at Davis, and I got into beer and science and things, and he got into newspaper writing. And to say, Mike, you know, why don't you stop doing that and come full-time with us? Sure. And so, but I was confident enough at the time to do it, but it took a a few years um, to be able to do that. But in the last few months, he's really been working a lot on our website, and we were hoping that new site would be up today, but it'll be a couple more days still. But just okay. looks the same, but a lot more content. Oh, beautiful. That Mike added. Cool. 
All right, good work. And that's all, and it's really important, especially for a business like yours, and you can tell by the show that we do here, when people are going to call and ask all these questions, your website's all important, because when people think White Labs and they have questions, they want to go there and see it, so uh, that's kind of invaluable to be uh, updating that. And sign up for the newsletter, whitelabs.com, or just click the White Labs logo. All right, real quick, back to the uh, harvesting of your of your yeast that you've already used. People want to know, what's the best way to get the yeast from their car? boy or plastic bucket and the best media then to store it in how should we go about doing that well there's just so many different types of fermenters i mean glass carboys plastic carboys conical yeah you want to get the yeast out i mean it, it, it can it's simple as say in a glass carboy racking off the beer to uh, a little bit above the yeast stirring up the yeast pouring that into a sanitized container okay and Glass Put, container? Uh, glass. Um, glass would be best. Okay. Um, you know, I'd like a sterile container, but it's pretty hard to get in the home situation and home kitchen situation. But you, I mean, if you have a pressure cooker, you can, you can pressure cook, uh, certain glass. Um, yeah. and that's the best way to go. If you start, if you really want to start working with yeast and growing yeast and, and doing everything, so a pressure cooker can be very useful. Okay. But when you're, when you're harvesting yeast from the fermenter, now you've got a lot of yeast. You're not on the growing side. You're on the collecting side. So you do have a little bit more leeway um, because you've got just billions of yeast cells compared to any bacteria or wild yeast, hopefully, yeah. there. So, um, But once you... You collect that yeast. Now, then you can you you can uh, put it in the fridge, uh, vent that a few times because when you especially when you first collect it, it creates a lot of gas. So later on, it can be once a day, but early on, you want to vent that quite a bit. But then by the next day, you can look at it. How much liquid to yeast do you have there? Did you get a good culture, um, or did you get too much liquid? Okay. Um, how does yeast look? Is it got a lot of trube there, or is it good creamy yeast? Um, even if you use different nutrients, um, you can sometimes tell the yeast looks creamier or it looks a little bit different or the beer style you made. Okay. If that were to happen, is that a, a, a maybe a time that you would want to maybe cut it with it, with some distilled water or something if it were a little too uh, too much, uh, if it looked a little too diluted? Yeah, you could. Dilute you, it more? Well, well, no, then it floats to the top, right, and you pour it off and you have the yeast at the bottom. Well, I thought, you, yeah, if you pour off what's in there, and yeah. if you want it, and if you pour too much or something, you can add some distilled water. Again, you'd have to have it sterile yeah. or close to as possible, yeah. um, sanitized. Yeah. But uh, you, can, you can add, I mean, if you have too much protein on top, if it's too much of a brown layer, you might want to add distilled water. But still, when do you do that and how much is too much? So I think it's kind of questionable. Okay. So when Chris is talking about sterilized, he means sterilized. Yeah. He means do a pressure cooker or an autoclave or heat pressure sterilization. Not so sanitized. Not sanit- Not just washed out and thrown in some star sand. He's talking clean. Yeah. And Jamil does that. Jamil is actually a big advocate of uh, his pressure cr- uh, pressure cooker and mm-hmm. sterilizing thing. He, he sterilizes all of his utensils. and uh, uh, We don't need to do it for everything in the brewing situation, but if you're going to start culturing yeast and pulling yeast up and really messing with it, yeah. get, a, get a pressure cooker because you really want to have your vessels clean right. and sterilized. And think of some of the practical things. So if you're siphoning off your your carboy, let's say it's a five-gallon carboy, and you're just letting regular old air replace the liquid that was in there, Yeah. I mean, especially if you're in your kitchen, which is just a microbial, like, playground sure or bathrooms even better 
yeah. all that air that's going in there is full of airborne yeast and bacterias. So be smart about that. If you're siphoning off, use things like a hood with a um, sterile air filter. Uh, sterile air air filter. Wow, mm-hmm. that's a tough one. Yeah, that is. Um, rough. And uh, it's like framboise. Exactly, and then so that way, as the liquid level goes down, it's filled with sterile air instead of with just regular air that could, you know, contaminate your next beer. Sure. Is it true? I've heard this deal, and and it's why you have bottle trees, or they say when you when you sterilize your, or, or rather sanitize your bottles, you should maybe put them in the dishwasher rack. Is it true that the bacteria can't go up? Is that why you should hold everything should be upside down? Bacteria doesn't necessarily fly. Yeah, um, I mean rushes of air can cause it can to go any it way it goes, but but generally, it's floating in general, right, Chris? Well, it, it's usually floating down on dust. Yeah. So that's the uh, unless you have you can obviously have airflow in your house or fans that can change things. So mm-hmm. when you are doing certain yeast things, you like to to prevent air currents and and close windows and and turn off fans. But yeah, so in a in a room without a lot of airflow, you're going to have yeast floating down. So the you but um whether how much you get going up into a bottle. Yeah. Um. It's the safest way to keep sure. it upside down. Yeah. Right. It's better than right side up where things can just drop right into it. Yeah. What if I'm passing gas as I'm <laughs> doing all these things? Do I increase my risk of contamination? Of course. I do. It depends on the vortex. <laughs> yeah. And how, mu- how much flow you get. And the sure. aim. And yeah. Definitely the uh, propulsion. All right. How long can we store yeast? Uh, you know, if we take it from our primary or so and, and we want to store it to use it the next time. Uh, What's kind of the average? He's going to say it depends. <laughs> well, you know that depends. <laughs> okay. And it's because it's another one of those yeast handling, yeast health issues. How healthy was it the last batch? Maybe the last batch before that. Yeah. Um, how, what what kind of manipulation was done? What kind of fermentation temperature? Uh, so lots of these little things. Again, what it means is there's no right answer on how long. Okay. Um but in terms of, of storing yeast, usually if you store it, if it's reasonably healthy, you know, textbooks would tell you three days, but generally it's under two weeks, you won't experience, people don't experience problems with yeast just dying off very quickly within two weeks. Okay. But over two weeks, it can become a question of all these other factors because generally when you collect yeast from a fermenter and uh, a month later, it's half dead. If it was a, it was a, he- if it was a healthy population of yeast out of the fermenter, um, is that at any specific temperature? Like, it, say, if you stored it cold, is cold it temperatures? S- okay, not just yeah. leaving it room temperature right. on the on the bench there. Right, right. So you know, after two weeks, and you start approaching that month, well, so it's half dead. Well, if you have a lot of it, you know, you could still use that yeast. That's why some people say I use yeast in a month or two, and it still works pretty good. Right. So it was probably pretty healthy when they collected it. Maybe yeah. they kept some gas off of it. And may um um and then they used enough yeah. of it. So now plus the over pitching factor you were saying because if if yeast can grow four to five times during fermentation, it being half dead isn't necessarily a bad thing. Right. Although, what about the uh, effect of having dead yeast in the beer? Because I've heard about uh, yeast autolysis and, and eating dead yeast, and, and, and absolutely. So here's the here's the 
uh, issue here. You use yeast that's a half, uh, that's a month old, and it's half alive. Yeah. So you use a lot of it, and sure, you get the numbers to be right, and fermentation takes off. But those that are half, so how healthy is the population that's half alive? Yeah. Okay. And that's very hard to quantitate. Sure. And, and figure out. So what you see is how your fermentation goes, and that sort of tells you. Yeah. But it can it can be off flavors or it can be fine. Yeah. Uh, Although it sounds to me like if if it's half dead, the half that's alive can't be doing too great. Like if half of it's going to die, right? Then right. the other half is just clinging like to life, right? <laughs> right, right. So, <laughs> the other half looks like me. Yeah, that's like the vitality part, part of it. Yeah, exactly. So maybe so uh, so a month is about. We're uh, you're you're really pushing. Can it. you bring them back to life? You know, starting with a new starter, refeeding them and working them up, and you know, right. put them in the gym. If you get if you if you grow them up. You can always do a lot more damage to yeast because you're going to create new cells. Um, if you're always trying to store a big population and do nothing to it and use that population again, then it can be more tricky. And then the viability and vitality are big issues. Yeah. But if you try to do at least a, even a one-step um, um, propagation or starter is going to waken the yeast from this dormancy that they've been in in the, in the cold, and it's the same thing with using our yeast off the shelf – uh, and people make starters. That some of the people that make starters, it's not necessarily creating new cells, but it can be um, waking the yeast up. Yeah, and that's why they see a, a difference in fermentation if they do. So, okay. what's the minimum time you would say? Say you're not looking to propagate or, or grow them up, but you want to wake up that tube. You're gonna make a starter, maybe thousand milliliters. Pour the pour a tube in it. What's your minimum time ahead of time? Your brew time? Would you say 24 hours? I would say 24 hours. I like to do everything with yeast in two days, though. I like 48 hours. Okay. I think that gives yeast good times to do certain things that they need to do. And one day is the minimum, two days, and then three days is, is about the and, maximum. And, and that's just to wake them up and not really propagate into more cells? Right. And just waking up, that can happen in six hours. You don't necessarily need 48. I just simplify things, and when I'm, if, well, when I was doing more yeast manipulation for homebrewing, um, mm-hmm. And I, I still kind of believe this, that, that one or two days is, is the best. Took me six hours to wake up this morning. Really took a long <laughs> time. still don't like, like you're awake. I've yeah. been drinking for days. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I want you to hold off because I definitely want to talk about the starters and, the, and, and even waking it up within the vial. And I want to do that uh, when we come back. we got to take a quick break. We should wrap up, though, the uh, sort of reusing yeast discussion because i got a, just a couple more quick questions. Uh, what temperature... Should we be storing this yeast if we are going to do it? When you're not fermenting with yeast, you always want to store it as cold as possible. Okay. Uh, in your refrigerator, 4 degrees, 40 degrees Fahrenheit, um, and as close to freezing as possible without freezing it. Okay. And then the last thing, uh, can a home brewer check the health of their yeast with a microscope? Absolutely. And over the course of the show, you're going to hear a lot of questions. And almost every question I could answer by saying you have to check with a microscope. Okay. And if if it became a more regular thing, um, you, people would learn a lot more about their brewing practices and their fermentations because you're dealing with a microorganism you can't see. Yeah. So now we've had the technology to see yeast for 400 years. So if we can take advantage of that as home brewers now and see the yeast, uh, you're really going to understand um, when you damage it. You'll see it get a little bit, when it's stressed out, for example, it'll, instead of being round, it'll be a little bit longer. Oh. It'll stretch out a little bit. And uh, little things like that, you'll see you can use some simple dyes, methylene blue dye, and 
the procedures, I think, are even on our website, but you can see the viability of the yeast. You can see how um, alive they are. There are some things you can't test for very easily, but just looking at the sample and not even on the microbiology side, not even to see about contamination, because that's a different ball game. but just to look at yeast health, it's a fairly inexpensive microscope that can be for um, under a couple hundred dollars. Uh, you know, you're going to find microscopes that are, are – you don't even need one that has um, – a power source. I would guess that your local community college wouldn't mind you going in the lab and borrowing a little uh, a microscope right there too. You know, well, except you get that lab I think if you're going to use it, it's not something you do once in a while or you store in a cupboard that's hard to get to because yeah. then it's just too much of a hassle to use it. Yeah. If you have the microscope out with your regular brewing equipment and you just get you kind of used to using the microscope as a regular part of your practice, it takes you five minutes to do it. It's not something that seems difficult. Yeah. And you, you know, it's if you're going to store yeast, for example, um, you pull it out and you take a look at it. Right. And then you use it. And all these questions of how do I know if it's alive or how long can I store it, all these things, when there's no right answers, yeah. you yeah. know by then looking at your culture and yeah. knowing if what you did worked. Absolutely. I think Chris is making a fantastic point there because we're so concerned about everything in our brew process and we try to be so aware of all the things. Yeah. But looking at the yeast actually is really going to help you to understand what it does and really tell you if you should use this one or not. Yeah. And I think it's a lot. it sounds like really a lot of fun too. We're going to get a microscope. I think you What's should. Yeah. And I, I, I've you often should. wondered why... <laughs> <laughs> commercial brewers don't have microscopes. They don't? And a lot of commercial brewers, small microbreweries, when, mm. again, they have problems that th- affect thousands of dollars worth of ingredients and time yeah. when they could have solved those problems with a microscope. And I think it's a, a fewfold why traditionally brewers weren't the ones handling yeast. Yeah. Brewers understand malt and hops and very hot side issues of, from, of, of boil and things like that. And it was the cellar people and the, the fermentation people that actually handle the fermentation and the lab people. Yeah. Well, now you have the microbreweries and the brew pubs that the brewer is the microbiologist, is everything, and the salesperson and uh, GM and whatever. Yeah. So they don't have the microbiology background or really interest even to right. pursue it or time, perhaps. Chris just said that brewers are dumb. He did. I don't know if you guys heard that, but that's what professional. I heard. No, he said that. No, he said that they are pragmatic. Overworld. Yeah, they're pragmatic. I'm sorry. Hey, let's clarify that. Chris White said that. <laughs> no, that's an excellent point. I'm actually thinking that uh, brewers, in this case, actually then just take the convenience of putting their trust into companies like you or whatever company it is that supplies the yeast. Uh, but which which is excellent to a point. But like you said, if something goes wrong at any point in the process, they probably could have avoided it if they just took a look and 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 then knew what they were looking at. Right, and and if once you do that, it's like I said, very routine. Um, I went in a Gordon Biersch, uh recently, and the brewer we we he poured off a Hefeweizen. Uh, this was the Gordon Biersch in San Diego, uh-huh. and um, uh, the brewer there had, had just made a, a new beer. And it was fairly yeasty. And I asked him, or he asked me how much yeast I thought was in suspension. Yeah. And we made a couple of guesses, and he said, well, let's go look at it. And we just went in the back. He threw a sample under the microscope. Right. And uh, he took a count. He wanted to see how close he was going to be to my count as well. Okay. And they were very much the same. But it took him just about five minutes because he regularly does this. Sure. And now he knows when he looks at a glass of beer 
it, how right he was in terms of how much yeast was in there. Yeah. Just one other little question he answered very quickly by looking at his, his great. beer. And just like you said, that they're used to doing it. That's great. So right. What power microscope would you suggest on that? Uh, 400 um, powers all you, which uh, is uh, all you need to see yeast. Four or five hundred. Okay. Um, X, you know, so. We're still gonna X. get a microscope. Alright. That sounds awesome. We're gonna look at all the stuff yeah, in our house. You'll be on eBay in no time. <laughs> yeah, I'm on an eBay Justin, right now. Justin, you sound far <laughs> too excited yeah, about I'm not, I'm not looking at a microscope. She's gonna Why? Look, she's probably look at other cells, Justin. Yeah, so, I'll be looking at, I'll just be like, Grabbing, you know, poop or something. <laughs> you know, I, that wasn't what I was thinking. <laughs> Justin, I think yeah. you and I are a lot alike you in know? terms of like certain things we want to know about and yeah. certain things we just don't. Yeah. I always liken yeast to kids. You know, it's like you yeah. can treat kids differently and they're going to, or you treat them all the same and they're going to come out different. Yeah. Yeast is the same to me. Like really, that's the way I treat yeast is, is I'm scared of it yeah. more than anything, just like kids. No, I'm leaving uh, it to Chris. What's that? I'm just leaving it to That's gr- what to I mean. So it's, yeah. it's easier for me to start over every time than to try to like perpetuate these things yeah. and, and grow them or store them or right. any of that just scares the hell out of me. But I do love that people, and this is often what it comes down to when I, when I have conversations about uh, yeast and stuff with Chris and whether or not to do starters and all that, which we are going to get into. I do love that, be, that uh, everyone has the ability to do it. If you want to do it, if you want to manipulate it, if you want to store it, if you want to reuse it, if you want to propagate it, you can you really can, and the resources are out there uh, for you to do it. And uh, you know, like uh, even the microscope isn't that powerful of a microscope, really. Like you're saying, so. right? No, it, it, and they're they're not very expensive yeah. either. So, but the we fact don't need an EM then. Uh, no, uh, yeah. and uh, I, another reason I think a lot of people don't use them is you, know, you can make beer without them. Yeah. Otherwise, we would be everybody would have one. Sure, but. You could make 99 great batches maybe, but what about that one? Or yeah. what if you can improve 10% of your beers even just that way? It's improvements and it's preventing. So there's the preventing contamination issue, which people think about the microscope. But I think it's also it's more important from a yeast health aspect. Yeah. And we know a lot of flavors in our beers come from yeast. And so if we can make our yeast more consistent and our flavors more consistent by looking at the yeast. Yeah. Um, now, Mike, uh, I, I hope I'm not putting you on the spot here. I know you're about to do the new website. Uh, personally, what I, in, in Chris mentioning that uh, the actual shape that the yeast should look like and what it should look like, I would really love to be able to go to White Labs and see a picture of a healthy yeast cell next to an unhealthy yeast cell, uh, mostly because I can hardly read and I'm really picture-oriented. But if I, since I, apparently we're getting a freaking microscope and i got to look at these things, I, uh, I'd really like to know exactly what I'm looking for. It's round well, with a little tail. The, the problem <laughs> is... <laughs> the, the problem oh, is... If, the you EPT go, test. if you go to White Labs, you're only going to see healthy cells. I see. So uh, I'll well, have to go elsewhere. You know, I'll go somewhere to find uh, just an unhealthy it. one. Just label it accordingly. Say, this is a White Labs yeast cell, and this is a X company's yeast mm. cell. And that would be fine. right? And it would kind of be funny, too. You could even make shirts out of it. You know, it's a good idea. We do have a camera on a microscope hooked to a computer and things like that. We could start taking some more pictures for that viewpoint of putting yeah. on the web. And we actually do get a lot of contaminated beer sent to us because we do a lot of testing. Okay. Uh, that's another thing we do for commercial breweries is testing of their beer samples. And usually they're sending us beer samples because there's a problem. Right. Uh, not a lot of people that do regular sucks. maintenance. <laughs> we only get beer samples because there's a problem. Right. Yeah, you gave me a bad sample. You <laughs> gave me a bad bad batch of yeast. What, one of the yeah. problems you have when you look at it under a microscope, you can tell it's unhealthy, but you don't necessarily know why because then yeah. you have to ask questions about the process. Uh, you're right, yeah. 
Yeah, that's true, because then, sure, now, it, okay, it matches up to the ugly yeast cell. Now what? Yeah, just, you're right. Then you got a bunch of questions. Just having a rack of, like children. of slides <laughs> that you could see on your website would be cool. Like, what am I looking at? You know, right. Usually when I look at a microscope, it's uh, pink dots and purple swirls. <laughs> so you go, cool. But uh, <laughs> uh, if, you could, if you got a few things on your website that, you know, it's got, okay, this is this, this is contamination. You've got right. all the different kind of things. That would help quite a bit yeah. for all those guys you've just made by microscopes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can tell wild yeast, too. I mean, even Hefeweizen yeast looks different than English ale yeast or California ale yeast. The Hefeweizen is a little bit more oblong. It sticks together as chains. And s- lots of little differences like that. I think it would be neat to show on the website. Okay. Uh-huh, Mike. Mike, you just got a bunch more work filed on top of you. <laughs> Sorry, brother. <laughs> I think it's a good idea, though. I'm going to be excited about that. This is Mike. Put the stuff under the microscope and look at everything from your body and all that, and then the yeast oh and boy. all that. It's going to be cool. This is Mike's <laughs> head speaking. I hate this show, and Justin is stupid. <laughs> We're talking to Mike and Chris White from White Labs Yeast Company, and I got a pile of questions in front of me for you guys. So I uh, got lots to get to. We're going to talk about a lot of things like uh, warm versus cold pitching, and yeast starters, and all sorts of good stuff. You're tuned in the Brewing Network. You're listening to the Brewcasters. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. A couple things to consider. One is uh, sometimes people focus too much on the need to uh, reduce the lag time. Uh, it's important not to have a really long lag time, but you know there's a practical limit. You want a good, healthy start more than you want a super fart. I like that. I said fart. Uh, Yeah. No, me, 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 me
touch your nose. What? Walk the line, heal the toe. Tilt your head back and touch your nose. What? Walk the line, heal the toe. Tilt your head back and touch your nose. Reside back with the alphabet. Up yours, pig. You do that shit. Walk in line, heal the toe, tilt my head back and I touch my nose. Walk in line, heal the toe, tilt my head back and I touch my nose. Hand your hips, follow the pen. I can't hear you, man. Say it again. Put your hand your hips and follow the pen. I fucked your sister in the back of my van. Put your hand your hips and follow the light. Sir, I just want to go home tonight. And Mike and Chris White are with us today. It's uh, another great yeast show and probably the best one we've done because we got the uh, the boys right here in the studio with us. And that makes for a good time because we get to hang out and uh, we have good audio and uh, it's it's always fun that way. How are you feeling today, Dr. Scott? Um, pretty good, yeah. actually. Um, just another Sunday, roll on by, and is looking forward to getting back here in the studio. We missed you last week. Well, it was either this week or le- last week, and I don't know how the hell I got my wife to change our plans. Cause yeah, that's a good question. I know that we talked about it at the last show you were at. We said, now, if you got to miss a week, don't make it the whites week. And I didn't, he told, tells me that like two weeks ago. Yeah. And, he's, and you they're say, come, they're coming in the studio. They're coming in. I go, well, I'll see if I can change the family plans because we're going away for three days. But we're both thinking, like, okay, well, he's. we're saying he's going to try, but we also know I, it's I almost limp. didn't want to ask, but you <laughs> yeah. know what? I, I, I just rifled it through, and we and changed our plans to last weekend instead of this weekend. All so right. So be here. Wait, wait, you give him two weeks' notice on things? Occasionally. Because no. usually Justin calls me Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I only, yeah. No, actually, you called me yesterday about noon. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, uh, Doc has evolved to that point because there was a time when he only got the uh, Saturday night notice, too. You'll get there, Chris. Sometimes <laughs> I, I, I would get the Sunday. Sunday at four o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> you got to pay your dues, man. Oh, true. Uh, don't, don't discount that. <laughs> That's right. You don't just get freebie uh, advance notice. Well, I want to make an announcement. Chris was talking earlier about uh, his kids scaring him. Well, last weekend he got engaged. I'm Did you really? Yeah. Yep. What? 
No kidding, Chris wow. Graham got engaged. Congratulations, Congratulations Chris. Right. Congratulations all the way around. some cojones. And uh, wow, <laughs> there's gonna be a Mrs. Graham. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> went not for German. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! So, uh, how long till you spitting out little children? Oh God, little kinder. God, <laughs> I'm, af- I'm afraid to make yeast starters, let alone <laughs> have kids. Yeah. What about little Travis, though, Chris? <laughs> Travis, the pink penis alien, is <laughs> gonna get Chris, all upset. That scares me. Me too. <laughs> kids, kids don't have to be that sterile. <laughs> believe me, they're not. <laughs> All right. I got a lot of topics I want to talk about. I keep getting questions about the storage, uh, so let's try to do these quick. Um, how long can yeast be stored on slants? What's the uh, lifespan there? And I know it probably depends on the cleanliness, it too. But uh, on average, <laughs> what are we looking at? Well, the, again, a textbook answer would be uh, six months to okay. a year. Depending on again the health of the yeast a little bit when you put it on the slant, but that it grows on the slant, um, so you get some new cells. Uh, that's sort of the beauty. You get new cells on the slant, and then you if you keep it sealed, you've got uh, a nutrient source that doesn't really dry out too. So generally six months to a year, and then plates dry out a little faster, and they're under six months. Okay, but that doesn't mean that the yeast is fine even if it's alive again if it's on a slant or a plate something you're storing in a refrigerator on agar media it means it's growing it grows very slowly because it's in the fridge but it grows and so it changes and you get mutation okay for an individual brewer or a home brewer maybe that won't matter too much because you could go get it again if it's not something super valuable uh, for a commercial brewery it's important that it doesn't change at all so they even some bigger breweries that may store their yeast on slants like that will then store them with us to store them at um, almost cryogenic temperatures. So there, there is no change. And uh, so we store a lot of yeast for people that don't even buy yeast from us. Okay. Just as another bank that they store their yeast at. Gotcha. Um, and because you'll see mutation even on even after two months sometimes. And so for again, it depends on the application. For us, somebody like us, where, where we make our business selling yeast, and that yeast has to be the same as it was two years ago or five years ago, then we need to store them at these um, these very very minus eighty degrees Celsius is generally what people store yeast at. Yeah. Um, you, you can wow. go colder too. Hey, my, my freezer doesn't go that cold. Yeah, that's some serious cold right there. <laughs> right, and so people hear about freezing yeast so they say well what about my freezer yeah and that the only reason that really doesn't worry it's really not cold enough yeah. uh, and also to to arrest yeast and also you have uh, most freezers are freeze thaw so they that freeze thaw process just eats up the yeast very quickly from uh, okay. uh, ice crystals yeah so that my that super cold minus 80 degrees celsius yeah prevents the ice crystals they freeze so fast ice crystals don't form you also have some glycerol in there that prevent the ice crystals so um, that you pull them out in, in very healthy shape, where you can't do that with human cells and yeah. tissues and things. So, yeah. Um, that makes yeast fairly unique. But you, I bet you still have your head frozen when you die. <laughs> um, you know, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so is the fridge then just as good as the freezer since it's not cold enough in the freezer anyway? Right. Yeah, yes. it's the same difference. Yes. And then you don't get the ice crystals chewing up the cells. Yeah. Right. Um, Can I ask some temperature-related questions that are uh, practical? Please. Uh, so uh, let's, let's look at the average home brewer who may not have a shop close to them and they have to buy yeast over the Internet. Mm-hmm. What temperatures will kill yeast? I, I had that question, question yeah. from the chat room, too. That's great. You know, that's a good question, and it also involves shipping yeast, I think, and temperatures that yeast can handle. Um, 
you know, I answer a lot of technical questions as well. A lot of brewers, I mean, our office does uh, a great job in answering most of the questions, but sometimes um, there are certain questions or just brewers want to talk to me or something. And so uh, last week there was a brewer in Pittsburgh who had got his yeast a day late. And he was really concerned about it. And so instead of receiving his yeast on a Wednesday, he received it on a Thursday. And that happens um, with so many packages out there, FedEx trucks, sure. broken tires and flat tires and things. It just happens every week that somebody happens to him. And he was really concerned. The day yeast came a day late. It must – is it dead? And now he didn't have a microscope, so he couldn't really tell. Yeah. Um, but it, it, that seemed kind of strange to him. But, you know, I talked to him and – about half the yeast we ship goes that way anyway in two days. Okay. And so someone's, a lot of it's overnight, a lot of it's two days. A lot of it, if it's Australia or somewhere else overseas, will be three or four days. And we, the way we package it, and we, we try to keep it as cold as possible, and, um, keeps it healthy, and also yeast are fairly hardy. So, you, what you think can kill you sometimes doesn't because they have a pretty thick cell wall, um, and they, they're fairly resistant to temperature changes and things, but they are single cells, so they can be sensitive to it as well. So it's a fairly complicated answer. Yeah, uh, Scott, help me out here. He has to answer this one. I'm He's not allowed to skirt that rim. <laughs> I'm, well, would you say better that you can't kill all of them? You you know right right so if you in the mail anyway no right so if you have some cell death if you're ma- if you're making a starter you're doing something you can usually repair anything if you're not again you have to rely rely on that full population to do its thing and um, if 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 it's held for over ninety degrees Fahrenheit for an extended period of time mm-hmm. it's going to start dying well, it well, loves ninety degrees however that also causes it to uh, about thirty degrees Celsius causes it to start trying to grow how how we'll long it off how long at a, how long extended period of time four days three days two days oh uh, a day at at um, near a hundred would would kill off most of the yeast wow oh, wow so so uh, I'm trying to say this. Reverse engineered, so homebrewers really understand this. Yeah. So, I mean, really, like, I, I try my best to encourage homebrewers to both separate their yeast from their order, two-day air, which most of them are not willing to pay for. Right. Because considering, you know, your professional pitches are quite a bit more expensive because it's quite a bit. Yeah. Two-day air is pretty cheap relative to the yeast. Yeah. A homebrewer is paying $5.95 or whatever for a pitch. All of a sudden, trying to pay two-day air at $19 right. is starting to go, well, no, I'm not going to do that. And they right. think... You know, that I can ship it from California to New York in 100-degree weather, that it'll come there fine. I'm trying to let people kind of know you might want to consider at least priority mail, yep. ice packs, that kind of stuff, because th- th- you can do a lot of damage. Well, uh, and that was the specific question uh, that I got from a listener, and, and they were talking about B3 yeast because they apparently didn't uh, take you up on the uh, the ice pack or the or the overnight. They said that they often receive uh, yeast, and they've ordered it from B3, and uh, I guess he's measured it, and he says it will be at about 100 degrees. That vial of yeast will mm-hmm. be 100 degrees, and he's wondering if it's dead. Right. Um if you know, if the there's no way to know without a microscope, right? right? That's that's the that's the and you don't know how long it was at that temperature. Yeah. So if it's if it's a little while, if it's under a day, it could not be. It might not be that damaging. I'll, the the one of the answers to that is we we hear very little. There's very few experiences where people do have enough cell death that they actually notice it okay. in any shipping. Okay. And in the early 90s, when I was still thinking about starting White Labs. 
this was a big obstacle to me. I was thinking, okay, I'm going to make yeast in San Diego, and I'm going to try to ship it around the country and maybe the world, but how am I going to do that? How are you going to ship yeast? Yeah. So that's what I worked on for a while, and variety of methods, and it turns out it really, the biggest, one of the biggest factors was how healthy it was when we shipped it. So I worked a lot on the media itself and the health of the yeast itself when we shipped it. Um, but then these shipping companies that have sprung up too yeah. uh, do such a great job. Mm. I mean, we are able to transport packages around the world so easily now, yeah. not yeah. just yeast, but uh, consumer electronics and everything. <laughs> it, um, uh, it it became not, really not as much of an issue as I thought it was, you know, in '93 or '94 when I was still thinking about white labs and how am I going to ship yeast? Am I, I'm going to have to use dry ice, um, special carriers, and it's just not the case. Okay. What's your thoughts on uh, acceptable lag times? Well, I I like most. I mean, twelve to fifteen hours, I think, is good. I think when you start to get into twenty four, forty eight, um, you know, those are too long. How do, how do you define? In your mind, how do you define? Is it foam on top? Is it airlock activity? Is it uh, you know a little bit of both to me? I think um, you know airlock act uh, airlock up foams coming on soon. Um, so either one, but, uh, that's the, you're seeing gas, CO2 starts coming off, you know, yeast is expelling it. They've gone through their aerobic phase, well, not really aerobic anyway, but they've gone through their, uh, assimilation phase and they've started to grow. They've depleted all the oxygen and they're putting out CO2. Okay. And when you see the airlock activity. So, Just so you know, I'm not grilling you as me. I'm grilling you as all my customers. Sure, oh, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. So well, what about, here. what about lag time for lager? Uh, about the same. And so the only thing that makes a lager so different is the temperatures that you're dealing with. Um, what, what temperature do you recommend lager brewers pitch? Uh, hold on, at? hold on. I'm going to stop that <laughs> question <laughs> sorry, right sorry, there. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Hang on. I clang, got clang, clang, clang. Yeah, the only reason I want to do that is because I do want to have that discussion, but I have a lot of questions here that are specifically about White Labs yeast. So I want to talk about uh, your products, and then I want to get back into the cold, warm pitch, pitching sorry. temperature in general. Chris, you bastard. <laughs> Cold Not really. Answer. No, Chris, great questions, and uh, obviously some of the most educated questions that come to this show because Chris has to uh, uh, deal with them all day long, too. So He's, uh, he's just helping himself there. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so a few dis- uh, different questions. Just uh, people are very curious about uh, about White Labs, and uh, one of the things that uh, you guys uh, promote uh, certainly is that people can brew uh, authentic beers because you have authentic yeasts and, and specific to style. So people are curious about where the uh, the origin of your yeast strains are. I've asked him that same question. Have you? I, 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 the I, answer I, was it depends. <laughs> <laughs> it's the it depends show. I have some specific numbers. But which I'll maybe throw you after, but but in general, you know, people want to know where does this yeast start, right? I do get that question a lot, and the, the uh, just take a step back a little bit. I mean, it really starts where it started in these various breweries, because you've had yeast that has been, you know, people have been reusing yeast for hundreds and hundreds of years, and so especially with ales. Uh, because they've had such a longer history, um, within individual breweries, you had different yeast strains develop over time just because they were u- reusing the yeast. And lager yeast, having such a very short history, there's not a v- large variety of lager yeast. It only made it out of Bohemia, I think, in um, the mid-1800s or so. Okay. Uh, so, and then and then started to be worked on in Denmark and, and spread around the world. So, lager yeast hasn't had such a long 
history, and so there's not a var- such a variety of lager strains. But when I started using yeast strains again in the early 90s, um, I started making trips to England, well, England and just in Europe, and buying yeast strains from yeast banks. And so most of the strains have actually come from yeast banks. Okay. Because you're back closer to the pedigree of where a strain would be from. If we just tried to get a strain of yeast out of a bottle of Sierra Nevada, for example, we can make some good homebrew out of it sometimes. Right. But it's not going to be um, genetically stable enough or close enough to what's used in the brewery, for example, to be... The yeast just tend, they tend not to work as well because they've also been in bottles and under stress. Yeah. So you need to go back to these yeast banks that started in the late 1800s and early 1900s in London and, uh, Netherlands and, uh, Munich. Yeah. And collect strains there. Okay. Um, so we don't really, uh, you're, you're, those banks don't tell us where the origins are either. Sure. So okay. people are asking us sort of the origins. Say some of the lager strains, they're, they're bought from East Banks in Munich or Berlin. Okay. And so we can make guesses sometimes or be, well, sometimes we're told and sometimes brewers give us yeast. So the other answer is each strain is a little bit different. Some have come from breweries, some have come from these East Banks. Okay. I just, I always had the, the picture of you and Mike over in Europe in a brewery and you nudge him and you say, Make them look the other way. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys just scrape some yeast into a Petri dish and then run. I saw them in ninja outfits and stealing it at night. Yeah. I have done a lot of that, actually. And 99% of the times, you get back and you work with those strains and they're terrible. Really? So all that fun little work you're doing and yeah. collecting yeast from even uh, different taps and things in Europe... Um, uh, when you get back, you know, and you start working with these yeast in the lab, they're they're either too contaminated or yeah. uh, just uh, too mutated to be of much value. So where are you storing it? Kind of like under the arm and yeah. running. Uh, yeah, a lot of test tubes in then in luggage. Uh, in luggage. mule. Yeah, test in, in luggage. luggage. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he's a mule. So which, which one of you guys is the mule? Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in fact, I, I did that at the Jack Daniels Distillery one time. I was there with uh, one of my early partners, uh, Chris Mueller, who I brought on as partner in the first couple of years and then um, ended up buying him out after that. But he, we were at this Jack Daniels Distillery, and it was really one of the best dis- tours I've ever had. Uh, even a lot of breweries. It's just, a, I'm sure a lot of listeners have, have maybe perhaps been on this distillery tour. But they bring you by the fermenters and they're just big open vats of yellow corn fermenting. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I kind of dipped my, I just kind of touched the, you know, cause he said, the guy giving the tour, put your finger in there. Oh uh, yeah. And so I kind of, okay, sure, this is a fermentation, but alright, I'll stick my finger in there. And then he's looking at me, he says, come on, put it in there farther, put your arm in there. <laughs> okay. So I pulled my arm out, and I'm, you know I've got a lot of Jack Daniel's yeast on me and stuff. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll try to keep this or whatever. So I had this is you know a few you years have to have ago. A petri dish in your no, room? what I had was a film canister. You know when you yeah. still had ah. film, and so it was an empty film canister. So I just opened the top and I kind of shook my hand oh, into sure. this uh, film canister, and and I brought it back to San Diego. And okay. sure enough, there was some viable yeast in there. Was there? I played with that for a while, but we ended up getting the yeast. <laughs> differently later because it's still uh, questionable, but it and was, it was it all was mixed a lot. with it like, okay. like Chris White, <laughs> right? Like right. Whatever you had, so I had to fish in. that stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's all about plating. Right. I like your level of preparedness, though. That's a great. <laughs> that's a great story. All right, business plan wise, then let me ask you this: 
So, you know, people planning a brewery, they have to uh, set aside money for equipment and set aside money for their materials and things to get started. Did you have to, you know, you realized you were going to have to go and purchase these strains of yeast from European yeast banks. Did you? Is this an expensive thing to do? Did you have to uh, set aside a good chunk of money to buy yeast strains then? Um, not yeast strains so much. I mean, when I first decided I would do White Labs, uh, my parents gave me a loan for $15,000. And I thought, wow, that's a lot of money. You know, yeah, this uh-huh. is going to get me far. Well, <laughs> it's like two weeks. Yeah, you know, <laughs> half an hour later, so, you call on them again. Hey. Right. So I had to Did go knocking. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever pay them back? Or, oh, yeah. Or are they eating Alpo? But then they loaned me more. <laughs> okay. So, but I, I had to go to banks fairly quickly um, okay. after that and uh, SBA loans and things like that that I did pay back and All you right. get more. That's a constant cycle. Yeah. You pay off loans, you get more loans and you keep uh, doing that. But. Like uh, constant as in constant or is in constant for a while? Oh, probably every year oh, when we get new loans and buy new equipment. And <laughs> don't get the, uh, we're don't, saving on that microscope. <laughs> don't think you ever get out of debt. I yeah. mean, come on. Okay. All right. All right. Well, he doesn't have much debt right now. No, but once, once you go in, just go in with both feet. Yeah. I'm trying not to. I've, I've gone like... He's cringing right now. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like oh, kids. But go on. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> well, in terms of the laboratory equipment and everything else, the cost of the strains itself aren't that much. Um, Can you give me an example of just a, a random strain? Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, one of the last lager strains I think we bought was about uh, three or $400. Oh, okay. So, you, you know, over a lot of strains, it starts sure. making a difference, but still... Um, but it's not so proprietary that they're no. saying you have to buy, you know, for the rights to the strain, it's $10,000. It's nothing right. like that. Okay. Right. All right. Um, yeast used to be, I think, a little bit more expensive before, you know, uh, White Lab started or before Y started even because they had started before me. And so yeast traditionally was something that if you bought from a yeast bank in Munich or something, that's what you paid. Yeah. If you paid three or $400, you got a thimble full. Okay. Um, where now commercial breweries can buy yeast from us for three or $400 and pitch, you know, uh, 10 or 15 sure. hectoliters of beer. And will you offer uh, a specific proprietary yeast to a, a say a, a microbrewer from, from anywhere that you don't give to anybody else? We, uh, what we generally do is we brewers come to us with strains of yeast. Okay. Um, it may be yeast strains they've stole themselves. Sure. Um, so, but we don't ask those questions. It's a very well, plagiaristic uh, business. <laughs> but we, we've heard of the black market. Is this the white market? Yeah, that's right. Or maybe the kind of the Swiss bank thing, you know. We, uh, <laughs> yeah. Don't ask. Yeah. Don't tell. You guys don't are ask. The Swiss bank. I love it. Yeah, and if they tell us, you know, I don't want them to tell me because yeah. then if it does, does go somewhere else, they, and, Right. Um, then the, they might think that um, we gave we we did something else with a strain. It's very important if somebody's banking a strain with you um, that it, there's a lot of trust there. Yeah. I'm sure we have some contracts and things, but it, it does come down to trust. Okay, um, that they have to trust us that we're not going to relabel it and do something else with it. And so there's always that kind of speculation out there, and you know everybody's a conspiracy theorist. Well, was right. was the question about you giving specific rights or exclusive rights to somebody? You have a strain that. You like, and somebody wants it as a microbrewery. Do you give exclusive rights uh, for that? Um, generally, what we, if if it's something we've developed ourselves, it can it can be very expensive. So, um, ten or fifteen thousand dollars, so okay. or, and more. So we those are strains we would definitely um, distribute ourselves. Yeah. But if a brewer comes to us with a strain, we for a few hundred dollars, we will analyze that strain and then bank it for them f- for 
year after year. And if, if they, of course, stop paying for it, then it kind of comes into our, uh, commercial, in our property. But, which happens, brewers and breweries fail. But, um, we will continue to charge that brewer and then they'll, it, it the East they buy also costs more. Because we have to work it up from a certain, a different source. Right, sure. Than something we might have, you know, starting every two days. We'd have to specifically schedule in a certain yeast strain, and so okay. there's some scheduling issues. Yeah, <laughs> which is a big deal for us because we grow fifty to a hundred different strains a um, a week. So because we're starting yeast every two days, and a run can be a um, hundred different strains, uh, but it's not always different strains. So, but there's that. Uh, what that means is a lot of scheduling. Yeah, a lot of different yeast strains to schedule. Right. Are you running two, three shifts, or um, we have right now? It's about two and a half. Okay. Yes. Um, Who's the half? Is that like different there? The <laughs> Mike, Mike, over Mike comes in. Yeah, he comes in about three in the morning and kind of lights Mike. the burner. Mike, I'm the half. <laughs> <laughs> we we've gone to twenty four. We've gone to three shifts. Uh, typically, when we go to three shifts is yeah. August, September, October, because the wine season starts, yeah. and we grow a lot of wine yeast. Basically, just for Napa and Sonoma. Okay. Um, not much on the homemade side. I mean, we do, but it, it doesn't make a big impact on our business. But the Napa Sonoma crush time uh, has a big influence, and so that's when we'll have to add the third shift. Some shifts. So okay. we'll call it crush time for no reason. Right. All right. People want to know how different, uh, you know, when you get your strain, say from Munich that you, you know, you got for three hundred bucks or whatever you did. How different is that strain when we get it? You know, or is there is there any manip? Are you trying your best just to reproduce that exact strain and give it to us? Uh, that is a good question, and um, it depends. We, it, de- it depends. <laughs> <laughs> we um, we always, even if it comes from a yeast bank, we played it out. We look for contamination first, okay. and then we look for variety within the population. And you'd be surprised sometimes, even good yeast banks, the samples we get have either maybe some bacteria sometimes that, cause sometimes bacteria is very hard to get rid of. Uh, it can associate with cell surfaces and it's so much smaller than yeast. So, so we, we screen it for bacteria and wild yeast first. Then we screen it for the differences in the population genetically and, and, and through fermentations. And, uh, then, then what we tried to, freeze and then grow for our strains yeah would be what is the idea is what it was supposed to be okay bank. so it is you you are really trying to fix the problems and, and give us the original strain right. whatever whatever it is you have to do right. to give and, us that. and a lot of times there is no you know it, it, we, we receive a good sample that's clean and has yeah. no genetic drift among the population it was a few str- uh, typically in the brewing industry if you're going to make a slant or a plate you'd use five to ten okay. colonies right um, from a plate because to, not just one, be, because if there is a little bit of differences. Okay. Or a change, you can account for it with collecting. Because the majority colonies. would actually not have that, that change. Right. So when we look and if we look at a strain and we see some variety, we should at least see 70% being one way. Yeah. And take that. Standard. Okay. That's your rule? 70% is the rule? No, it's just something we see a lot. Okay. That's the world, isn't it? Yeah. 70% of us are stupid. That's the rule, Doc. That's my rule. (laughs) You notice that when you're driving down the road? That 70% of the people around you are stupid? Oh, yeah, I could. At least. I saw a couple of those people in front of me on the way over. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. All right, people want to know, 
And do you guys do dry yeast? And if not, are you gonna do dry yeast? I know that when you came out, what you wanted to do, and this is gonna be part of our, of our pitching discussion, you wanted to have a product that was pitchable. It, the idea was to have a ready to go and pitchable yeast. So now that, uh, and that was uh, a lot because dry yeast just wasn't up to par back then. The quality wasn't as good. Well, now the quality of dry yeast is, is coming around again, as I understand it. So uh, what do you think uh, about well, that? Well, I, I think that's correct. So when I started, you could, it was expensive to buy the small amount of yeast that was lab-grown, or you could buy a dry yeast that um, wasn't very good. It was a lot of baker's yeast companies that tried to make some brewer's yeast and didn't really realize, I think, how important the sanitation part was for brewer's yeast. Because for baker's yeast, it doesn't really matter. You, yeah. you add it in. It's very little contact time, so the bacteria that are there don't add anything to the flavor anyway. Okay. And so these are these are very short rises that you're do- doing. So these are numbers. These are these are sanit- um, contamination numbers that you know the, what brewers need. The bakers these people have never seen before. They don't, and it was took them a long time to get kind of over that and to really see what brewers' needs were. So the only way you can get that kind of uh, purity is growing it in a lab environment, keeping it in a lab environment, and not exposing it to all the air demands and the and the machinery demands you need for drying the yeast. Okay. Uh, that is starting to change a little bit, and if it does more, I mean, our business is making yeast. If we can make yeast in dry form in just as good a shape, yeah. that would survive shipping and, and you know, the storage issue better, we're going to do it. So we've started... Uh, experimenting a little bit ourselves um but you know it's just very experimental stage and um and it's it's definitely possible okay uh people want to know if you will be adding new yeast strains available to home brewers got anything in the works there you know that that's a tough question because we do have a lot of strains we are developing and then we sell to commercial breweries but to get it into home brewers is a different ball game because the stores I think Chris would agree, would mostly tell us, please have no more strains. It's it's difficult when you have the quantity of strains. And, and a lot of people, I forget which one you discontinued recently. I think it was like uh, Australian or something like that where, you know, we'll buy it in and then it just goes bad on the shelves because no one ever buys it. Okay. I love unknown. the platinum. The platinum's a great idea. It, it's easy because it's two, three months worth of it. And uh, when you still see it on the shelf six months later, you know it's time to take it and throw it away. Gotcha. Right. So, so what yeah. uh, time of month do I show up at B3 to get the uh, stock that you guys are about to throw away? Um, haven't you seen the big bin outside? <laughs> is there is there a bin of junk vials out there? Yeah. Oh, we have, we're collecting over 5,000 to get Chris to come brew with us. Because yes. I knew he would never do it if I asked him That's to. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. No I started that idea about two years ago. Yeah. Threaten you with it then, yeah. too. Regan's got like two trash cans full of White Labs files right now. And yeah. most of them empty. Most of them are, our customers come back and yep. throw it into the pile. Yeah. I, I made the announcement at the beer club. So everybody, yeah. they bring them in and they're waiting. Them in. There's a few, um, clubs I've heard of from on the East Coast, too, that have talked about being close. So this could be kind of fun. No one's got to 5,000 files yet. We even counted. Customer club. You did. No, we haven't. Oh, you haven't. Yeah, okay. that, I think that's what we got to start Who doing. Who is going to count? That's the question. I think just wait. Regan's got plenty of time. Just you wh- can't wait because JP. some have liquid, some don't, some have half liquid. Yeah. Boy, Sharon in her office would sure like to count all those vials. Well, let's look at it this way, Chris. We just say we have 5,000, and he's got to pay somebody else to count and make sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
That's Mike. There's Mike. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> Damn it, Mike. <laughs> they, they bill us for the time because we came up with 4,872. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it'd be interesting to think of new ways to make strains available to homebrewers. I mean, mm-hmm. the platinum program, it tends to be two years, though, because when you make some marketing materials and then it's hard to mm-hmm. just keep it to one year. I don't know what the platinum program is. Oh, well, it's two strains, two different strains for a two-month period. Okay. So that allows us to get through some different yeasts that are in the bank, and we and we can say, okay, from January and February, it's you know um, the uh, Essex yeast and something else. Okay. And so so we can try some different strains, and so we do that. But then, of course, what happens is the following January, people want that strain again. Yeah. Especially yeah. the Mexican lager. Right. I think that's time to bring that one full swing. I love that strain. Yeah. Is that like a Vienna lager yeast then? Well, um, you know, uh, one of the you can you make can, a, okay. a Vienna lager, but that's out of not it, but the Mexican lager one. Well, it is because the Vienna lagers are made with the strain, but also okay. like beers for Corona, like those your kind Corona. of beers, okay. right? right. Um, it's just a very clean strain. So if you want to make um, these Mexican lagers that don't have that European um, sulfur and and other nice flavor compounds, actually, yeah, <laughs> um, then the, you can do that with Mexican lager. Um, but you can make a lot of people do different things. Some it, it's kind of strange when you say Mexican lager, and I see it in the brew pubs. Some people have taken that as okay, and they're going to make a Corona style beer, and it works. Yeah. And some people have said I want to make the Vienna style beer, and it works as well. Okay. Um, but of course, then when you're making Vienna, you have a little bit more flexibility anyway of using some other strains. Okay. Uh, Mexican lager works, but so does German lager and things, depending on your interpretation of the Vienna. So well, one thing Chris has been talking about, I don't know, you've been talking about four or five years now, and I've been experimenting a little bit, and I know other people, and now, now I know you guys are releasing strains this way, too, is blended strains. Yeah. And, and, you know, playing with throwing two vials in one of one type, one of another, or a three-to-one or, or something of that nature. I have a, a listener question about that, wanting to know if you uh, sporulate or cross any of the yeast strains in your collection in an effort to construct new strains. We don't do any mating. Um, brewer's yeast is notoriously difficult to mate. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't want to. It doesn't have to to survive. It's been in this brewer's, in this rich, uh, brew medium. And in fact, brewers have helped this by reusing it. You should buy a dinner first. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a movie, right, Doc? I mean, you gotta yeah. sweet talk it, don't exactly. you? Exactly. Can't just jump right in there. Sometimes you can, but then you don't want that. You don't want to stay with that yeast for a long time. No, that's a one night <laughs> yeast. Commitment. Trust me, I bought that commitment thing for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, uh, <laughs> I don't have anything funny to add. So yeah. <laughs> Neither do I. That's all right. <laughs> but uh, oh, where were we? <laughs> that's what I'm sorry about. Ma- ma- Doc and I do about that. getting cross strains and, and <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. no. W- w- so we don't. I mean, you can force it to mate, and, and it's possible. It's illegal it's, in it's, twelve states. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult. Yeah, he's just very young, but <laughs> we just blend it. Yeah, so that's kind of our answer. So we do do a lot of blending, and, okay. and that's a lot of fun. We and we have um we have a little uh, B three uh, homebrew system that we do some we do trial brews on beers on and and then you sell those that, that you've blended you you'll put them in a vial and, and yes you yeah. so what's an example of a, of a blended one um we have what we call a, an american ale yeast blend which is a blend of a few strains we don't say specifically what it is but there's california ale yeast in there there's the cleaner neutral strains mm-hmm. but it um it has but it also has some coal yeast in there okay so and um 
So that makes kind of a nice, clean, a lot of people making ales in the U.S., they're not these typically fruity and and maybe some sulfur and stuff uh, ales of, of the British Isles. Yeah. They're clean and neutral, almost more lager-like ales. And so this blend was to kind of capture that and use a little bit of California, a little bit of Kolsch, and a couple of other strains. Nice. So three or four strains in each blend. Okay. Well, let's say somebody uh, wants to start mixing their own. What would they look for? Uh, they say they want to mix two strains and making an ale. Uh, what would be two two things you want to look for to mix two different strains? Well, you want to. Um, um, it, it's a good question, and it's creativity and art, artistic um, license. Yes, it is a little bit. I mean, I was just talking to a, a brewer recently who liked our wit yeast, the WP400, but he thought it was a little too sulfury and a little too big in his wit beer. So what he did was he actually combined it with the Saison yeast. And so he made his own blend. He bought, well, he, we, we, we custom blend for commercial breweries too because you can do it on bigger orders. So we blended the Saison yeast with the wit yeast and the resulting beer that he makes out of this is really a nice, um, cleaner maybe wit beer. Just doesn't have as much sulfur impact as the 400, which, you know, again, some people like, but he was looking for something a little different. So I think that was a pretty creative blend. So starting with kind of what you want, and then he tried, it's not one-to-one either, but um, most brewer strains don't kill off each other. They don't out-compete them in, in too aggressive a way. So you can blend most of the ale and lager strains together because uh, you, you don't see a lot of differences in the growth rate among um, the 30, 40, 50 strains that we have. What about, uh, say, early pitching and late pitching one yeast over the other? Would you see an advantage in that? Right. So if you blend the yeast in the beginning, you're going to get flavor impact from all of the strains. Right. And so that's what most people do. Some people want to, say, just finish out a high-gravity beer, so they'll add a champagne yeast or the super high-gravity yeast, something like that, at the near the end of fermentation. So you're not going to get flavor impact from that yeast because it's not going to go through the same kind of growth cycle. But you're going to get a functional thing of finishing out a high-gravity beer. Just dry it out. Right. So if you want flavor impact from these yeast strains, uh, you want them in the beginning. And so that's what our blends are focused so on. So mix them both in the beginning to get the flavor. But if you want to do physical things, uh, split, split the induction of them. Right. Is, right. is, is champagne pretty competitive yeast, meaning it'll want to knock the other one out? No, it, you, you can even add in the beginning and it won't really do much to the other strains. No. Oh really? It'll, uh, it'll kind of wait and, um, but some of these strains like champagne and even our super high gravity yeast don't really like the complex sugars in brewer's wort, maltotriols, for example. So you sometimes, even with these high gravity yeast strains, still need some either simple sugars as a percentage in, uh, for high gravity beers or uh, enzyme use. So how about if uh, you want to dry out, say, a large Belgian beer and you're talking about them not liking the, the complex sugars? Uh, letting your Abbey yeast run through it pretty far and then dosing it again with the sugar solution halfway through fermentation and then putting a high gravity yeast on top of that. I think that's a good way. I think that's a good way to do it. I think, um, especially with the Belgian beers, adding a little complexity like that, finishing out with a certain a different strain, uh, our Saison yeast is that way, for example. It, it tends to slow down your, uh, fermentation and not finish out very fast. So, uh, what was, What's done with, by some people, including brewers in Belgium, is finish it out with, say, what else they've got in the brewery, or California ale yeast, or something like that, or a different Belgian strain. Or some people blend it in the beginning um, to do that. But 
Well, we've heard a lot of talk about the saison yeast, and most people having to pump up the temperature. I mean, way up there. We're talking ninety, just to get it to finish out. Oh, I can do that. Yeah, I'll bet. It's going to rub your carboy. <laughs> yeah. Finish, baby. Finish. Uh, high, high fermentation. But, but a lot of high fermentation. I'm MO. really for the saison yeast just to get it to finish <laughs> out. And I've always talked to you for the past two years about repitching it with a double, double yeast on top of it to dry it. It's worked for me. Right, and that's one way, and it, as you said, some people let it free rise kind of halfway through fermentation, and that seems to work for most commercial breweries, too. They let it free rise uh, into the 80s. Right, is, is really I, high. Right, right. Well, it, it, but it all depends on fermentation geometry, fermenter geometry and things, too. Can you let, you know, one brewery that lets his, his beers ferment in Belgian beers at 85, and another one that... This uh, another brewery that would do it at 85, the beers would taste completely different. So one brewery may get away with 85, and one brewery might have to do 68 or 70. Yeah. All right, we got to take our last break here. Everyone needs a break. I'm and, really uh, excited. Oh, <laughs> she wants that microscope. Uh, about the break? <laughs> about our listener from India being in a chat room currently with us. Wow, wow. that's great. And asking Indian the fermentation is question. There. Isn't that awesome? Which fermentation question uh, was ferm- it? He fermented his beer at 90 degrees no. Fahrenheit, and it was fermented out in two days. Is, is there anything wrong with his beer? Isn't that room temperature over there? It's like fusel like alcohol. was my question, that's too. That's what he India said. He said beer. when he got to the last bottle of the beer, it t- started tasting really good. <laughs> <laughs> he had them all at once, all, all three days. Yeah, <laughs> but he's totally stuck. He just told me that he had brewed three batches this week already. Ah, Isn't that great. awesome? He's, he's in a, India. Yeah. I think that's great. He has to get his his close by homebrew markets two thousand miles away. Yeah, you know, I'm pretty sure. I mean, we've got email. I get emails from different places. I think I got one from India recently that somebody had bought supplies from beer mm-hmm. from. More beer. It's him because he claims to be the only home brewer in India. Yeah, it must be him. Yeah, so. maybe it was the same person. Yeah. Hmm. Or maybe there's hundreds. No, he says he's the only one. It's so And I believe exciting. him. I don't know why. I just do. <laughs> I believe him because he's a nice guy. <laughs> he might go. be one of our only customers because a lot of times I'll refuse to ship to certain areas that it is difficult to track in. Ah, uh, yeah. Like nobody's willing to pay for UPS yeah. shipments there, yeah. you know, on a homebrew scale. So you have to ship U.S. mail. Right. And unless they've done it before, a lot of them, after a while, we have to refuse because they'll just say they never got it or they really n- will never get it. Yeah. But, you know, who's that always fall back to? Who has to pay for the shipment and all yeah. that good jazz? Well, of course. So Afghanistan. So, so, so if he's in, he's in. Like, he's a lucky guy to yeah. be able to get stuff. Yeah, that's good. No, he says that uh, and normally he gets it. It takes a long time. I remember one time he wrote into us and said that for the first time his shipment got caught up in customs and he had to fight with customs for a week, I think, to get it to get it out of him. But uh, he keeps at it. You know, I, I, that's dedication. I just love the fact that it's seven forty-five a.m. in India currently, and he's listening to a beer show. Is he <laughs> drinking a beer with us? Yeah, I don't know. I Is it so. like Thursday there? Or? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, seven forty-five a.m. in November <laughs> in uh, India right now. All right, Indian Beer Geek, I'm glad you're with us today. That's awesome that you're listening live. And uh, you folks have heard his emails. He writes into us frequently, and we always like that. That's a lot of fun. Okay, uh, I, I got a lot of questions. I'm not going to get to everybody's question today. I'm just going to say it right now. It's, I'm going to try my best. We'll do the rapid-fire thing. We uh, will. Get your Stump the Whites questions ready, because I got a couple of things to give away. So our version today of Stump the Brewer is going to be Stump the Whites. But you have to PM them to me. Only private messages are accepted. Okay. <laughs> 
Private and the message answer to to uh, Danielle. You got so you got to be in the chat room. You have to have the correct answer. She's getting and, stern uh, over there. Yeah, yeah. she's uh, she's all business. And, and we're well, gi- giving away two very nice German style steins from Gordon Beers. Yeah, they're great. They've got the li- one. They've oh, got the <laughs> lid on top. Chris <laughs> has just stolen one, so we're down to one. It better be good question. They're fluted too. And I think we've got a T-shirt from uh, the movie Beer Fest to give away, too, which comes out Friday. Signed T-shirt. Oh, it's signed? It's signed, and it says Germany rocks. All right. So how'd the interview go with the... (laughs) It went great. I had a lot of fun. Uh, They were very cool. The the couple of guys from the Broken Lizard Comedy Group, they made Super Troopers and all of that. They they have this new movie coming out called Beer Fest. comes out Friday. Hung out with them, did an interview a couple of weeks ago. Played it on the free FM show. You have to listen to that archive. But they were cool, and they were fun. And uh, as part of the interview, I had to drink beer. Uh, I was their PR person actually told me you have to come down to the Gordon Biersch and drink beer with twisted him. your little arm. <laughs> yeah, I said, all right, uh, poor Justin, I have to. How do you and, don't uh, drink beer before eight in the morning? So. Yeah, <laughs> but I will. So uh, it was cool, and they gave us uh, a couple of things to give away, and, and one of them was a T-shirt. So we'll get we got a T-shirt to give away. We got a couple steins from Gordon Biersch to give away. So get your uh, stump the whites question ready, and we'll do that when we come back. Uh, like I said, I can't get to all your questions, but uh, what everybody wants to know, and it's real important on this show, is pitching temperatures and fermentation temperatures. So don't worry. When we come back, we're going to get into all of that business, and uh, we're going to find out which of the whites has a bigger brain. Right here on the Brewing Network, we'll be right back. You're listening to the Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. I'm on. Thank God, not a moment too soon. Oh, oh, mm. There's no one in the room, right? No. All right. That's a really hard line. You wrote it. What's with the Abacast dream? God damn it. Oh, these are really hard. I'm just going to have to do this a bunch of times. Who wrote this shit? You know what? Go ahead and start me over. And just trash that trash that whole take. Hit that fucking whirlpool, Viga Rosely. Holy shit, I need some air. Damn, my yeast will not proof in my... Oh, oh my God, I'm so white. Okay. Proof and fucking boobs being rude and my kid pulled the like out of say that a whole lot faster. This whole chat room I want now. Justin, shit, that's a lot of words. 50G, why don't you push eject me? I'm screaming Gucci when D pushes me off the screen. Ow. I'm screaming Gucci when D pushes me off the screen. That's the end of that. Then we're off into the pseudo chorus. I just got booted out of the chat room. Uh, I was so in the groove on the last one. That was crap. Holy shit, I just got booted out of the fucking chat room. <laughs> Did you have to laugh? Sweet shit that likes life and aerobic. Damn, play you still not proof and I'm a- <sighs> out of air. Doc's little voice in my ear screaming. I realize that I'm missing two whole bars of lyrics. Damn, my yeast will not proof and fucking boobs being rude, my kid. I, that one's impossible. Think I can't think, but then I hear Doc's little voice in my ear. This is where it just goes falls apart. I don't know how this worked in my head. Motherfucker, drink. Drink. Oh, man. It's, yeah, that always kind of irked me. The, you're this guy like, drink. That part's easy. It's how do I fit all that other crap in there? All right. That's probably good enough for now. Oh, that's funny. Is that you? Oh, that's me. Shit. I'm throwing down an angry rap song. Oh, what time is it? Probably within the next 20 minutes. 
I love you, sweetie. Okay, running out of time. Just got booted out of the chat room. That's the gay version. Okay, don't even think about putting that on there. <laughs> this is just pathetic, isn't it? Look at the two jerk-offs. Too bad I don't have like a good ripping fart right now or something. Wait, uh, I'm actually touching cloth. <laughs> Doc's little voice in my head screaming. Are you going to have to burn him, man? JP. <coughs> it really sounds like I'm on the pot, doesn't it? What? I think it does. Oh, let's just defend. Take a crap. I'm out. Someone told me something someday that someone else had told them, so to speak. I've been holding on too long. If this one ever said to that one, never listen to this one again. I've been holding on too long. Something shaking underneath me. Nothing's gonna make it settle down I've been holding on too long Poseidon took Nerus's daughter Now the gods are fighting overseas I've been holding on too long Yeah to three guys excuse me what about me yeah sorry 
You're listening to three guys and one girl use a radio show as an excuse to drink more beer. The Brewcasters on the Brewing Network. It never fails. The fourth break of the show is a mad rush for the food and the beer and the bathroom. Yeah. And we always have a hard time getting back to the studio. It's, you know what I'm fact, attempting we tonight? Yeah, we did almost forget. <laughs> we're like, hey, oh, shit, we were doing a show. I'm attempting to become drunk of the week. Are you? Yes. <laughs> I, lo- I love to see that one. <laughs> the last time that happened, people loved it. They've been asking for it ever since. Dr. Scott and I are going to have a drink off. Whoa. Woo. <laughs> you ready for that, Doc? <laughs> no. I don't know if you can handle the German Vixen. <laughs> vixen? Yeah, that's what they call you in there, isn't it? No. The Bavarian Vixen or no. something? Yeah, they do. No. I've seen it. No. Well, they're just been PMing me, then. <laughs> <laughs> they, they call you the Vixen? No, they're PMing, PMing me about her. About the Vixen. They don't want Sean her to O'Sullivan know. is a Vixen. Yeah, Sean O'Sullivan uh, hanging out in the studio with us. He's doing just the uh, the hanging and drinking with us. Sean, right? uh, what's the temperature here in Pacheco? <laughs> Cool in the studio. It's nice, isn't it? Thank you to Henry once again, Doc. I think we, we both, uh, from the bottom of our hearts, oh, yeah. want to thank Henry. He not only sent the first air conditioner. When that wasn't good enough, he sent his second air conditioner. And uh, I rigged him up uh, this week, and uh, it's it's and actually I, been... I looked at it. I'm so proud of you. It looks good, huh, Doc? <laughs> he teed the line in. Yeah. He stacked them up, kept the footprint small. Yeah. He even insulated the ducting. Man, oh, it's cool. I did everything you said. You said it's got to be insulated. We're losing a lot there. Right. Chris Graham said, had a couple suggestions, and I went to work on it because you were gone last week, yeah. and I said, I, I got to get it ready. And uh, this is the most comfortable environment that we've ever broadcast in, right? Yep. Oh, exactly. Since the, the Since forever. There's no sweaty brows in here, and all summer long, oh my god, it's been bad in here. No, Mike's a little sweaty, but that's just because, uh, that's... <laughs> He's looks excited. That's just Mike. He's happy to be here, right? Yeah. Now, Mike, you live up here in our area, right? Yes. You do. So you have a little more access to the wine part of the business. Yes, I do. do. Uh, okay. I'm, we, we've done quite a bit of work up in, uh, Napa, Sonoma, and, uh, that's increasing quite a bit. And, of course, right now is when uh, things are going to start really picking up with wine. Okay. Is that sort of part of the uh, of the white uh, business plan is to, to, to keep increasing the wine part of it, too, and not just the beer? Well, certainly wineries are... Uh, Lucrative. Are, well, yeah. They're, they're paying more attention to the, uh, to the yeast, and that's been uh, a trend over the last... A uh, few years, uh, particularly when they're trying to uh, to use uh, traditional techniques, mm-hmm. uh, traditional yeast techniques, and we're helping them do that. Uh, use uh, their native uh, strains, okay, uh, things along those lines. Yeah, that's a great idea. And and is that a competitive field for you guys in this area? Are there a lot of other companies that can do the the, the local thing like you do? Uh. There are uh, not too many people that are specializing in what we do with uh, wine yeast. Okay. Yeah, we're we're pretty much the only ones that uh, are specializing in this particular area. Where that's good. Traditionally, wineries um, uh, will do their natural fermentations, or not so much nowadays. But that's how wine used to be made, and uh, we're helping them do that, but with uh, cultured yeast. Okay. Now, do you guys have to do the cold calls like I do when you go when I'm going and looking for sponsors, or do people know the white name? Do they know like okay, if we're talking yeast, we're talking about the whites. With beer, they know. Okay. Uh, with wine, they're learning. Okay, 
I got you. So you are still kind of saying, hey, we've been doing this for a while, and mm-hmm. we, we really can't help you. Kind of Absolutely. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. That part sucks. I'm going to tell you right now, Doc. So they don't like say, hey, this is Mike White calling? Yeah. And they go, can, can oh, talk- Mike, we've been waiting on yeah, you. Can we talk to uh, No, I, I, I just say Chris. I just say, hi, I'm Chris White. No, it's Chris. No. no, I don't do that. I don't yeah. do that. Did you been guys- asked to talk to Chris? Did you guys used to do the old switcheroo back in the day? You know, you got only it, by know. accident. Really? Yeah, uh, friends would come up uh, to us, uh, girlfriends, and uh, and mistake. Yeah, because uh, from the back, we we always have looked quite a bit uh, the same. Yeah. And of course, when you get interesting, getting, yes. So. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm coming up from you be from behind, yeah. I'm talking I about. Think I want to know which one. I'm talking about more casual uh, confrontations, uh, yeah. tappings, and uh, hellos, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, hello. Now, and <laughs> and, uh, and if you were at beer functions, it's quite common for me to be called uh, Chris. Okay. Yeah. Uh, because a lot of people know Chris, and we look somewhat alike. Sure, <laughs> I just I just do it on purpose. <laughs> hey, Chris, f you, Doc. No, I actually, actually asked Mike. I go, Hey, Chris, can we get a picture together? Yeah, he looks at me. <laughs> <laughs> there, there was one problem with Chris's upbringing, yeah. and uh, not upbringing, but uh, his young life when okay. he um, he pretended he was me, and uh, so that's coming back to haunt him. Yeah, because uh, occasionally. Um, I, I don't really do it. I'm just joking. But uh, yeah, he, he's uh, afraid, I think, that uh, I you will might. start to pretend I'm Chris. That would be funny. <laughs> Did you ever have uh, – got to do this at least a couple times a show, get totally sidetracked. It's just it's the way we work around here. So, so that's the use pitching temp Yeah. <laughs> We're going to get to the temps in just a second. It uh, comes around full circle. Did you uh, – now, now uh, sort of uh, in, in light of the, the switcheroo, did you ever have, like, say, one of you had a, had a hot girlfriend or something, and the other one always wanted to kind of, like, you know, see what it was all about, and she came up to you, and unbeknownst to her – so let's say Chris had the, had the hot girlfriend, and she came up to you, Mike, and was like, oh, hi, babe, like, thought, it, thought you were Chris, and just planted one on you, and you didn't bother to stop her because you, uh, you thought she was hot anyway. Yeah, I said it happened all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, I, I can frankly say I never remember kissing any of his girlfriends. Okay. Uh, yes, so – <laughs> Either one of them. Chris, Chris is there, looking at him yeah, very Chris is funny. A, Chris has got a disagreeing look on his face. Uh, it, it, was there someone? Oh yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> a few times those, ha- those right. things happen. Chris is the honest one. Mike's going to beat no. his ass after the show. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get back on topic. I just thought it'd be funny to find that. Girls out. are curious. Uh, of course they are. Yeah. Oh, so you're saying that it wasn't even a sneaky oh, thing. Oh, it wasn't an accident. It was, it was more well, like, oh, is, no, are they really the same? Right. No. That's we, just dirty. Can we play the Stump the Brewer now? No, we got to get into fermentation for it. Do you already have all your Stump the Brewer? I have like nine. I do one quick. Let's do one. Let's do Let's one. Let's do one. Asked by a female listener. Which one? Mrs. Henning. Oh, okay. All right. I figured that one, but I had to ask. What's the three major vitamins in brewer's yeast? Okay. This is for uh, all the marbles, guys. Vitamin B would be the big one. Okay. Which is uh, actually very good for you and not an easy-to-find vitamin in natural things. So uh, drinking beer is a great source of vitamin B. Um, Other minerals? I I don't know other vitamins. I mean, I guess to say what other vitamins. Isn't... um, Stumped. In the brewer's yeast? 
Uh, actually, in the, in the yeast. Well, the question is the three major vitamins, so I guess you have to name the biggest ones. Mm. Ooh, I'm you don't know anything other than B. Well, well, the B one, B twelve. How about B6? D? There you go. How B? about D? Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. I like Mike. He likes like me. I was gonna do the same thing Mike just did. E? Yeah, hey, I bet you there's some A in there. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, what's the answer? The, the answer is them. vitamin B1, vitamin B2, and uh, niacin. That's B12, isn't it? Yeah. Is niacin, does that make sense? That's, that's yeah, B1, B2. So Chris had the B's, okay. so that's all of the B's. Yeah, I don't know. Not stump. Not stumped. Not stumped. He, yeah, I mean, he just didn't go through the... That's a the, trick uh, question, and nope, not stumped. Okay, not, not stumped. Not stumped. Okay, uh, so save the other ones. We're going to move on because we really do need to talk about fermentation temperatures. All right, we're going to start with the big question, and I've had this conversation with you, Chris, so... uh uh, not that uh, you were long-winded, but I, I can be long-winded, and, 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 and so can you. It's happened. Uh, oh let's God. try to keep it short. Cold Let me get another or, beer. Now, it says on your vial. It says right on your vial. And John Plisse, when he comes in and talks about warm pitching, it's uh, he, he, he refers to your vial that, uh, say, for, for your ale yeast, you know, you should pitch warmer and then drop the beer down Water. to your desired uh, per- fermentation. It's on both of them, I think. Yeah, actually. but he, he, he pushes the lager. Well, that's right. Yeah, John's all about the lagers. That is, I think it says 70 degrees and then bring it down. He wants to pitch at 70 but bring it down to fermentation temperature after pitching where everybody else on the cold pitching side wants it to bring it down to fermentation temperature then pitch. What's okay. the deal, Chris? Okay, long What would you do? <laughs> um, it brings up a a few things, really. It depends. Ferm- it depends. But fermentation, and it does depend, actually. I guess I think <laughs> I, I, I will expand on that a little bit. But fermentation is a numbers game. Uh, you know when you add hops, you, you add so many pounds per barrel, and same with grain. Yeast is a little bit trickier because it's... Uh, so small. So you're in the billions and millions when you're talking about yeast. But it's still a numbers game. So, and yeast have to multiply. So if you, and, and it, and there's a common kind of number put around a lot of a million cells per mil per degree Plato. Yeah. But there is no one pitching rate. It depends. It really does, it's different for lagers and ales and Belgian beers and Hefeweizens and, and so it's not always a million per mil per degree Plato. But whatever you pitch, if it's a million, if it's half a million per mil per degree Plato, yeah. you need it to multiply. Okay. So it's not going to multiply cold temperatures. Right. Um, even lager yeast. I mean, they will a little bit. Lager yeast typically, if you, fer- if you pitch them cold, they won't grow four or five fold, they'll grow two to three fold. Okay. So if you're going to get less yeast growth, you've got to have that much more yeast when you start with. Mm-hmm. And so, we, if you notice in our packaging, uh, there, there's one, there's not a different lager container than an ale container. That right. are, you know, it's all one si- standard size. And so we, on the label, we have the same temperature to start the fermentation set. Um, and in fact, we don't put, uh, for say Oktoberfest lager yeast, we don't say this, you know, go- a good fermentation temperature for that strain because we don't want to confuse people and have them start low with no extra manipulation. And then have a problem. So we say the same thing. Start at 75, lower to your desired fermentation temperature, whether it's an ale or lager. Okay. And it it's not just a trick to use because of the packaging. It actually works for a couple of reasons. For example, if you're making a lager, if you pitch it 70, 75, and then after fermentation gets started, you lower the temperature of the fermentation, 
Uh, the reason it doesn't create this fruit character are a lot of esters and fusel alcohols. Which is, is the argument. Right. That warm pitching produces these off flavors and right. fusel alcohols. The only reason you're fermenting a lager cold is so it tastes as this clean character. And, okay. and that's why lagers are so popular that okay. it's not so much yeast character, it's more malt and hops character because the yeast flavors are subtle because you're fermenting cold. All right. And it doesn't grow very much. But it, those esters and fusel alcohols take a certain take other substrates that aren't made yet. Um, the alcohols, for example, mm-hmm. um, aren't made yet in the first 10 hours. Okay. And so you can do this. You can fr- you can pitch a little warmer, and then not – the mistake, though, is then you pitch. Okay, it's warm, and then you put it into cooling. Well, then you've got it's, – it's cooling too fast. You really need – if you're going to pitch warmer – uh, you need to let the yeast start to multiply and then show signs of fermentation and mm-hmm. then let it cool down because now you're adding cooling when the yeast is in their log phase growth and they're fermenting very diff- aggressively. They're creating their own heat, so they're kind of immune to this temperature change, so you're not going to arrest them. Okay. So one way to do it is you pitch uh, lager yeast at, say, 70. Um, you let it go 10 or t- well, 10 or 12 hours, you're seeing fermentation, then you cool it down about a degree an hour to 55 degrees. Okay. Um, and I'd say about 90% of even the commercial breweries that buy yeast from us do it this way because yeah. it's they don't have to buy three times the amount of yeast. Right. They can, and some do, and pitch cold. But most buy the ale rates and then pitch at that warmer temperature and cool it down, and they just can't tell any difference. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, well, I would encourage kind of people key. to try it. Yeah, they just don't. I mean, if there was a difference, uh, commercial breweries wouldn't do it. Now, I'm going to remind you of a conversation that you and I had. And it goes along with the same thing, but I'm just going to cut through the fat and get right to the specifics. And by the way, i got to be really careful about this because I hang out with brewers and people in the industry, and we have lots of conversations. And I always have to – like, for example, the key words to speaking to me are off the record. If if anything, <laughs> if, if anybody says those words, I, I am I am uh, morally uh, obligated to to stand by off the record. And and there are other times where people don't say off the record, and I have to make the judgment call about off the record. Uh, that's uh, neither here nor there because this isn't uh, this wasn't necessarily a private conversation. But you said to me specifically that Him, it is chemically right impossible for the off flavors that people are talking about to be produced within those first few hours of warm pitching. That what you recommend is to, uh, I think you had said uh, about a degree an hour, that if you if you lower that, you start off at 70, and you lower about a degree an hour, that uh, n- that knowing yeast and, 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 and all that it does, that it's actually chemically impossible for that yeast in that early stage to produce the off flavors that people are talking about. Did I misunderstand? Well, Justin, it depends. <laughs> Good answer on that one. <laughs> it, uh, Am it, I mistaken? Uh, no. I mean, the chemistry, it depends on uh, how much yeast you start with, though. It does come back to the numbers. If you're repitching, for example, okay. and you've got a truckload of yeast, yeah. then um, it's going to start uh, yeah. producing these flavors very fast. Okay. So, be, because it's com- consuming the sugar so quickly, but... What about in your vial, which has a standard amount in every vial? Right. What and about that? Kind of designed for that pale ale kind of pitching rate is mm-hmm. and uh, what it was really designed for. Um, then you're you're just not going to produce those esters and those fusel alcohols, and it's not going to taste fruity. It's going to taste like a lager. 
Um, and it, it's going to be clean. Okay. The few, for first few hours, it's going to have to run through its reproduction phase. Right. And if it's doing that, it's not producing those flavors that you're thinking about. And what he just said, if you're starting with a big, hairy pitch that doesn't have to reproduce, because they, they know how many neighbors they have in there <laughs> and how much sugar is going to be in there. And, hey, they're going to start just chewing through it right away. So you're going to get those flavors a lot faster. So it's, it's, it is a numbers game. So if you pitch low, right. they're going to need to... To boost up their numbers. So pitching low, you're not going to have any off effects or off flavors if you do a vile amount pitch. So your standard pitch. If you drop a degree an hour like you recommend and you pitch warm, you're going to be fine. Yes. That's what you're saying. Yep. And that degree an hour is not the easiest thing in the world to calculate. Keep that in mind as the home brewer. You want to probably set like three-hour goals. You know, set the refrigerator, come back, check on it, set it again, check on it. Because if you set it at 50 degrees right. and come back, you might be at 50 degrees in and, a couple and hours what, and, and yeah. halt fermentation altogether. And watch your ambient, too, because if your garage is at 100 degrees and you're trying to pull it down, it's not going to go as fast. You try to do the same thing in the middle of winter and your garage is 50 degrees. Yeah. Uh, you're going to pull it down a lot faster. Okay. So kind of like Chris said, uh, do it in three-hour increments. Just knock it down three degrees, see what happens in three hours. Home brewers get a lot of stuck fermentations because of temperature issues where commercial breweries don't have that happen to them really because they've got very good temperature control. A lot of liquid with a small temperature band around the fermenter where in home brewing you've got a small amount of liquid fermenting and, a, and say a big cooler and, and you're trying to do it very quickly. So um, um, being yeah. careful with those temperatures is important to yeast because, again, they're single cells. Yeah. You change the temperature much on them, they think survival mode. You know, it's if it if it gets warmer or cooler, they need to think about shutting down. Right. And what you see is your fermentation shutting down because now they're producing cell wall material for survival rather than yeah. what you they're trying to. And they when you're when you're doing the cooling, cool the actual liquid like on your temp controller. Mm-hmm. Don't cool the air. The air is going to change ultra quick, and you might find a 20-degree differential in the heat of fermentation. So where is the temp controller going then? The probe probe ideally would be into the beer through a thermal well. If you can't do that, then at least tape it to the carboy bucket, whatever you have. Okay. Yeah, like Chris said uh, a long time ago was uh, uh, yeast don't like to get cold fast. Uh, they don't know when it's going to stop. They don't know you're only going down three three degrees and stopping. As far as they know, they're going into the deep freeze. Yeah. They're going to like make a nice protein coat on their cell wall, and they're going to freeze up and right. say, "I'm not doing it anymore." Okay. And you got to get that yeah. stuck fermentation. So you got to trick them. You By the way, when did this become yeah. the wine show? Yes, this actually is the first time ever in the history of our show that uh, some of us in the studio have switched over to wine from beer. Yeah, <laughs> and Chris Graham, he picked on me before for that. Are you having wine also? Yes. Who else? Oh, and I have both. Uh, Justin has both. Too. I have both too. I'm two fisting it. Well, uh, Whitey out there was opening up a nice uh, bottle of wine, and it looked good. I've been drinking beer for uh, my entire, three days, entire life. <laughs> <laughs> days on end, and uh, I don't know. I thought it'd be a nice change, and it's a, a fantastic wine. It is, actually. A, it is actually a tasty wine, Isn't and it? it's something that's being brewed too, right? Does that make us gay? Fermented in here just yes. because we're enjoying a little wine? Yes, yes. I'm already and we're talking do you, about. Do you need one more thing? <laughs> I know that's what I'm saying. Like I they need all need yeast. More <laughs> that's right. Everything. Hey, needs nice yeast. job, Mike. Yeah. 
Good. Hey, that's marketing, I'll baby. tell you what. What Mike says, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chris, yeah. it was probably the smartest thing you've ever done in your life is bringing your brother Yeah. A <laughs> yeah. quality of life issue, too. I got to keep <laughs> Made your mom happy. Because yeah. uh, we are getting late in the show. So, uh, all right, I guess we'll leave the warm, cold thing alone. Now, we want to talk starters and no starters. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about this. And I was surprised, again, by the conversations I had with you about starters or no starters. So the idea behind White Labs pitchable vials, well, is that they're pitchable vials. And uh, in, in essence, that uh, your idea was to put enough yeast cells in there that you didn't need to do a starter. And on top of that, you've talked to us before, even on the show, about uh, there's a way to actually that the vial itself works as a starter. And uh, that's why, and and B3 recommends this uh, with all of their documentation when they give you a kit with, with the White Labs yeast. You bring it, you should you should pull it out of the fridge the night before, 24 hours. And uh, what you've said, Chris, is to just keep opening the cap. And, and, and you're releasing the pressure. And I don't know if you're then letting oxygen in also. Uh, but But you... In essence, you've said that the the vial works as a starter itself. So, do we need to be doing a starter, or or, or is it fine? What's the difference? I think this kind of ranks in the same thing with the hot and cold, and maybe that's why it's good for the end of the show because mm. both. I mean, there's controversial topics that it's not always the right answer, but. Um, if I have to hear, it depends. <laughs> but it does. But Mike, does it depend? <laughs> I said, w- Chris, what gravity? We'll make this a little okay. simpler. What gravity would you say this is pitchable up to in your? Well, it's not just. It is not just gravity, too. It's, um, but I mean, we, I think what we say on the vial is ten seventy-five. I think. Oh, that's pretty yeah. big. Yeah. Um, right. So, but, you know, anything over 1065, too, is, is something to start thinking about. Because uh, okay. those are fairly big beers. Um, but you can make a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, and, again, the yeast, it's never, uh, people ask me about it a lot. It's never a bad thing to make a starter. At the very least, the yeast is waking up. Um, now the the, vial, the the reason I say the vial itself can be a starter is that's just from basically warming up the yeast. Mm-hmm. But as the yeast warms up, it's thinking, okay, metabolism comes to so light. just allowing it to warm up over six to eight hours and releasing the pressure, uh, yeast will start to bud. And there's not a lot of sugar there, but the least the me- the metabolic energy will be begin, and the, the, you're going to see a difference in the fermentation. So letting yeast warm up. Itself is kind of a little bit of a of the same idea that you're doing as a starter, yeah. because in a starter, generally you're not creating a lot of new cells. For example, our a vial of our yeast into say a pint or even two pints. Mm-hmm. There's not enough. The yeast is designed to go into five gallons. There's just not enough sugar there per cell to see much yeast growth. Okay. So you're getting what you're getting is you're getting yeast metabolism started, yeast activity started, and you can get some of that just by letting the yeast warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, then if you don't release the cap, it's going to just foam out when you open it up. So okay. it is well, one little tip is to. Uh, Crack that cap as soon as you take it out of the refrigerator and then shake it up a little bit and continue to crack that cap once in a while. Just let that gas come out as it's warming up. Mm-hmm. So that's do, all you're doing is releasing. I the usually pressure. just put right. it in my pocket, crack it, and I pull out of the refrigerator and just put it in my pocket. Right. And it warms up in my pockets and I'm making my starter. Um, so Doc does the sweaty nuts method. The sweaty nut method. You know, it works. I don't actually put it in the underwear part. Are you a left pocket guy or a right pocket guy? <laughs> yeah, left. 
Well, had to think about that. It depends on which way it's hanging, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but cr- you know, Chris, but is, Chris, I've talked to you about starters before, and he, he cringes when he thinks about people handling yeast. Yeah. Right. And he says, you know, it, it depends. If you're going to be a sloppy guy making starters, don't make a starter. Right. That's that's exactly why I, I, I caution a little bit, because I've seen a lot of problems develop over just making a starter, because now you're taking the yeast out of the container and trying to do something with it. You have wort that may not be sterile. You're trying to grow it. it where is it growing? And even if you were making good starters, try to do a, a side-by-side, a starter and a non-starter, yeah. and most of the people who do that come back and tell me, oh, you know, I was making starters all these times. The beer doesn't taste any different with yeah. the starter. Yeah. Because and you've the, done your own tests at White Labs that way too, right? right? Yes, absolutely. And what did you notice? Um, you, you just can't taste any flavor differences. Even a lot of times when you see a fermentation difference, which can be a few hours, mm-hmm. it can be, but then some people do okay. or, or feel they do. So it, you kind of got to do it for yourself. And same way with the cold pitching versus warm pitching. Do it for yourself and see if, if there's no flavor difference. Yeah. If there is a flavor difference or, um, uh, or, uh, you can perceive one, then do it a different way. Yeah. Okay. You really almost have to do a split batch to really define well, that. To tell the difference. Uh, when you do, like Chris was talking about, Chris Graham was talking about uh, changing. Uh, I did this one week, and then I did the same beer next right. week, and it was different. Well, you're going to get a different beer if you did it the same way. Yeah. You right. almost have to do a split batch, try them both different ways to really tell if you're you know sure. o- overworking right. your beer and have it side by side See, yeah because we're, we're talking about a kind of a small difference if we were talking about pitching um a tenth of what's in our vial for example and you know that's going to be a difference because then it's going to take a few days for fermentation to start and you're going to have stress flavors you're going to have other and you can have contamination issues but the difference between uh, fermentation starting in five to eight hours or eight to 12 hours and the final beer flavor difference is uh, almost impossible to perceive. Right. Um, And in fact, if the fermentation starts too soon, you know, there's problems. The brewer feels, oh, great, fermentation started in two hours. Uh, And I've heard this a lot, uh, people that want to almost high-five me and saying, oh, my fermentation has started in two hours. Yeah. Didn't I do it all right? Well, actually, no, because you didn't allow for yeast to grow at all. Okay. Uh, and so if you don't have the yeast growth, you don't have some of the other byproducts from that growth that you need for that flavor profile. Mm-hmm. For example, if you're trying to make a Hefeweizen and you get fermentation started in two hours, I bet you're not going to have much banana and uh, kind of character or the fruitiness you might want in your Hefeweizen. Okay. It's going to be too clean. Good point. Well, that's what I, the, the Hefeweizen that I did, mm-hmm. uh, I've always talked to you about stressing the Hef yeast. Mm-hmm. So I, I pitched one vial in 10 gallons without a starter. Okay. I, I woke it up, I threw some, some more, I fed it that morning, and then pitched it in. Uh, we can taste some later, I brought some in. Oh, good. Ooh. So uh, we'll try that. But it, it's, it was totally this one, you know, it, it was, well, <laughs> I wanted to make a starter, and I didn't. Yeah. And I, di- I wanted to push the stress thing on this yeast. You felt dirty, didn't you? Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, I said dirty. Uh, so uh, it was uh, one vial in a 10-gallon conical. Yeah. And it, it started up pretty fast. I mean, it was, it was uh, you know, 12 hours or so, 10 hours. And it was bubbling along pretty good. It wasn't, you know, the two-hour ferment like you're talking about, which would just strip everything out of the right. that you're trying to get 
All right, let me back us up a second because there's a couple different ways to do to do starters. Uh, now you're talking about doing a starter isn't necessarily giving you any yeast propagation. You're you're more waking waking up yeast, but that's when you just uh, you create and and help me. Feel free to help me out here, Doc. You, you create the uh, the food, the wort once, and you put the yeast in, and you do a starter for a couple of days, and you pitch it like that. And so you so in that sense, you're there's no propagation going on. You're just maybe waking it up. But there's the other way to do a starter that Doc and Jamil like to do, where they'll so they'll create the wort, they pitch the yeast, and it goes a couple of days, and then it, it starts to settle down. And they pour off that wort and add n- fresh wort on top of it again. So you're talking now about a five-day starter or something like that. Is that then yeast propagation? Are you then actually... Cause you're, you're, I you're, try to increase it tenfold every time. So is that a way to actually... Because you're saying you know most starters aren't propagation, but, but Jamil and Doc like to think that they are doing propagation. Right, and so if you are growing it up tenfold each time, meaning you, if you have a hundred mils, you put it into a thousand mils, right. um, and prop it up, that is propagation. That is okay. what Christian Hansen kind of developed in the late 1800s okay. at Carlsberg Laboratories in terms of manipulating brewer's yeast and propagating brewer's yeast for lager beer also. Okay. And so that tenfold number has stuck with brewers. Okay. And, and that is how you, you propagate yeast up. But if you take one of our vials, for example, and you put Put it into one liter. Mm-hmm. It's it it's tip, its volume anyway. Before it was concentrated, is somewhere around seven hundred milliliters. Okay, of, of just of a slurry. Of, I'm just of a culture. So now, if you so, but what you get in a tube is about thirty five to fifty mils. So if you put, but if you put that basically culture that was in 700 mils into a thousand mils mm-hmm. you can see that you just haven't increased the volume right, much it up. exactly and i try to get it into 2000 at least the first round and then it goes into a carboy on a stir plate after that i get anal so then yeah. you are so is he <laughs> then propagating yeast yes he probably okay. is i mean he's, he's getting new cells to yeah. be generated he's propagating yeast and that if what i tell people if you like Working with yeast, yeah. If you like making starters, then you should. Yeah. But if you don't, don't feel you have to. Right. But there are certain beer styles you may. Yeah. See, I would really love because uh, Doc, you're a, you're a, a consistent brewer and you know your system and and, and it's dialed right. in. I would actually really like to taste a, a split batch from you side okay. by side of one where you really do the propagation and the and the, and the whole bit, and the other one where you just pitch a vial. And I really want to taste them side by side. Okay. And on top of that, I want to get a panel in here to blind taste them, too. All right. Oh, so now you're going to make me make how many conicals for Scott? Yes. Because he's going to want this. <laughs> yeah, 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 I, know. I really, because I a blind that. tasting is really the only way to, uh, to to know if we can taste the differences. And I'm right. really interested in this. I'll, I'll do that. I'll, I'll make a just a simple pail. Yeah. And uh, I'll split it into the two conicals. Okay. Let's do that. Chris, Chris okay. White, what are you doing with... Most of the beer you guys are brewing right now, because I know you're doing a ton of experiments on the 20 gallon system, poor conicals, all tem controlled. Ooh, where or, does that go? Yeah, where where does most of this uh, beer go? Uh, Sounds like Mike brewery. White. Your your house. <laughs> <laughs> Mike White. Yeah. Mike. Neva drinks it <laughs> in the lab. Yes, they do uh, hey, drink some of it there. You got to keep your employees happy, right? And beer's one way. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, are, are you are you guys quantifying anything yet? Out of curiosity, um, yes, lag times and whatnot. Well, that that's the the goals. Um, what we'd like to look at a lot of these things we the, these questions we ask and 
do some of these experiments ourselves. But the the answer, honest answer, really is we're too busy. Sure, and, sure. And no, I so, understand that completely. Right. Well, just meaning that you know we have this good vision of using this system to to test some other. Uh, kind of homebrew, maybe myths or um, mythbusters. Huh? Uh, right, right. But right now, what we're using mostly for is to develop new, uh, to look sure. at new strains and uh, different growth things we do with the strains. Our next show is going to be the yeast busters. <laughs> you know, when we do all these blind tests, it's going to be yeast busters. Yeah, I was just going to add that our uh, lab manager, uh, Nava Parker, does most of these tests, and she analyzes the uh, the beer. And, and she gets a good idea of the performance on beer to beer. So we are doing a lot, quite a bit of analysis with it. You are. Cool. And, and this is why I like to, to ask you guys about it because I know that the, that the, uh, a great answer is to say every, we should try it and we should do it side by side. But the fact is you guys have tried it and not only have you tried it, you've looked at the results under a microscope. Right. And that's what I'm interested. I really want to know, you know, what differences you've noticed in a starter versus no starter or in the cold pitch versus warm pitch. Right. What we haven't done is, I mean, we, as, uh, is, is is look at it chemically a little bit, which would be nice. Okay. Uh, we have a gas chromatograph which separates beer into cool. just all sorts of different flavor Who compounds. Who doesn't have one of those? <laughs> no, I, 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 Doc's oh, nipples so just got over it. did. <laughs> <laughs> Microscope's nothing. A what? Yeah. A gas chromatograph. Yeah. We can uh, we can use it for uh, we use it now for testing beer samples uh, that brewers send us, but we can also try to we if we can get some time on that equipment uh, we can use it to look at some of these fermentation issues and see if we see differences chemically too. Yeah. So you, can, you can see how much and what comes through, how many fusels, how many uh, right. uh, different kind of compounds come through in it. Yeah. Ooh. I have a really stupid question, but I hear it all the time. The typical thing we hear every day is, hey, I got my 002 strain and it's dead. And I'm like, well, how do you know it's dead? And I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm like, wait a second, read my web description. We call it the cottage cheese strain. Right. Why does that strain do that over every other strain? What is it that is... It, it, it gets clumpy. The OO2 looks like cottage it cheese gets when you shake it up. Okay. Clumps up. All right. right. We it, it, It's such a flocculent strain, meaning it, it uh, comes together at the end of fermentation and drops out. Mm-hmm. And it gets very clumpy because it's creating big balls of yeast. And... Uh, do you have a trouble? Do you have trouble with it uh, not fermenting all the way through well, right. and, and dropping out too fast? So it, it drops out fairly quickly, and 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 sometimes you need to rouse that back into uh, fermentation. So as a home brewer, kind of shaking up your fermenter to get that yeast back in solution um, will help complete the fermentations. But even in the vial, you can see it being that clumpy. I mean, if you try to turn the vial up and down, the whole block. A brick of yeast will move back and forth, right. and it'll. And as you try to shake it, you see these big clumps. Where California ale yeast, if you shake it, it'll be more powdery and it'll go in solution a lot better because it's not forming these big clumps. So some people see that with English ale yeast or the British ale yeast, and they I might it's perceive a bad, it as a, a problem. Big, a big dead turd, right? Yeah. It looks a little strange, hmm. but that is one of the things we've always wanted to put the yeast in a package that you know home brewers could see, and so sometimes that's. Uh, could be too much information because sure. it's good and that's what it's supposed to be doing but if you don't know that um it, it can look like it's well i've noticed or something. i've used a lot of your vials a lot of the different ones and they all look different right they're they're just their little characteristics of what they look like in the vial 
uh, yeah. when and I'm we've wanted to, to do them. that. Yeah, because that's one of the things about having a lot of different yeast strains. They're all very different. And you can see that difference immediately. I mean, even people in the lab who don't know brewing or different, or just don't know about beer mm. uh, can tell you what's different about the wit yeast from the Hefeweizen yeast and the California ale yeast by looks and smells. Wow. So, Chris, when you get that next call, it says that. You just yeah. say, do you have a microscope? Yeah. And they say, no. You say, well, call me back when you do. <laughs> I have gas. <laughs> Excellent. I'm is glad you're over there. You know, is, uh, is that an inappropriate response to that discussion? Just like Howard Stern, they have him in his own little booth. Yeah, I, I for a reason. I'm, That's Robin. I need my own booth because uh, I am lighting some fires over here, Daniela. <laughs> thank and you. Not thank you for announcing booth. that one. Yeah. I didn't. Uh, I didn't mean to ruin the flow there, but uh, I just couldn't help but it just I, came to a screeching <laughs> stall. Well, there. I was trying to concentrate, uh, but I was r- rumbling. At the same time, and uh, didn't feel very good. Yeah, I saw your face contort a little bit. You can always tell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Does yeast propagate during aerobic or the anaerobic phase? Mike White. <laughs> <laughs> I could answer this, uh-huh. uh, but um, I think what we all need to do is turn to the experts. Okay. Chris White. Oh. You had a 50-50 chance there, dude. I I would expect that you were a gambler and you were going to go for it. I'm pretty disappointed by that performance. (laughs) Wouldn't you be? uh, I know. He does actually know the answer. But um, So let him answer. We haven't answered this yet. (laughs) Most of, I mean, really, beer (laughs) fermentation happens um, uh, anaerobically. So uh, there's really almost no aerobic phase. Yeast absorbs some oxygen, but they're not growing traditionally what we think of aerobic. Okay. So there's just too much sugar there. And so they're always kind of anaerobic in their growth cycle anyway. And when you see growth, you know, if you have a clear carboy and the whole thing's, you know, moving around and creating gas, it, it's anaerobic. Um, okay. and they're growing. That's why they only, that's why they grow four or five fold, because it is anaerobic. If you just supply them with plenty of oxygen, they grow tenfold, hundredfold, fiftyfold. But brewer fermentations, maybe fiftyfold most, but brewer fermentations go about fivefold because mm-hmm. we keep them anaerobic. Okay. But that's when they're growing. How about when you're pumping them with an- with oxygen? Right. Good. Yeah, right. They, the yeast uh, suck up the oxygen so fast anyway. Uh, about 30 minutes, 15, 30 minutes after you've added the oxygen, it, it's been all absorbed by yeast. So you're saying, okay, it would be a good idea to just... Give them more oxygen every thirty minutes, every hour. If you're up that late, well, you you can, can but you, can you over oxygenate? Uh, yes, yes, you can spurn okay. too much yeast growth grow through the oxygen, and then you do start getting over the fivefold growth, and you start, uh, for example, our yeast cultures, um, even though they're grown on brewer's wort, don't taste very interesting. They're fairly oxidized. There's uh, the flavor compounds because there's so much growth. Uh-huh. And there's there's very little alcohol. It's under, um, you know, 1% alcohol so because you, you we're want driving the, it to yeast growth. You want the anaerobic. Yes. Uh, so you said that the aerobic hardly even happens. Uh, the second part of this question was, is is any alcohol produced during the aerobic? But I guess, no. I guess well, not very little, if any. Okay. Uh, now, so back to the oxygenation. Um, I do like three minutes. I crank up my O2 for three minutes in a five-gallon carboy. Is that fine? Is that too much? It depends. Yeah. <laughs> it depends <laughs> depend on the gravity? It depends on the gravity, the beer style, the fermentation, I mean, the temperature. Temperature is key. And how fast you're pumping it in. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> hey. 
Uh, okay, so pitching tent. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Uh, you know, sixty-eight, seventy degrees. I've got five gallons of a regular pale ale. I mean, is it, there's got to be a standard uh, scale? Sixty seconds. Are you using a stone? Sixty seconds. Yep. Are you using? Okay, so. Now you just were asking. Yes, I am using a stone. Okay. You, Doc was just asking if we can overdo it. Now you say, Chris Graham, sixty seconds. Uh, what if I do go for three minutes? Am I overdoing it? Um, well, you're not really going to overdo it because at one time like that, because the wort's only going to hold so much oxygen. It's the saturation point of of wort. Right. So if you saturate it with say ten parts per million, t- yeah. ten ppm of oxygen, won't take anymore. and then you stop. You know, it's you're not it, what else, whatever else you add was going to come out of solution. Love now, diminishing once, returns. So right. I yeah. can't overdo it. No, well, not in three if you minutes. Keep it going. Yeah. See now, say you you three minutes. You got up to ten ppm yeast. Ate all that. Now we're down to very minimal oxygen and solution. Yeah. And now you keep doing that. You keep bringing it back up to ten ppm, and you keep taking more oxygen. Okay. That's where you're giving it too much. Okay, but in the initial uh, oxygenation, I could walk away and have a pee. And come back, and it's fine. Yes. Okay. The, uh, the yeast are only going to take up so much, plus you're going to off-gas yeah. anyway. It's it's not going to stay in solution. Okay. I've, I've had beers. So why I've had home brews, though, that have had people, first off, most of us had their oxygen before yeast. Yeah. Um, I mean, how, how detrimental is oxi- pure oxygen to yeast, Chris? Like. Well, I mean, pure oxygen can be deadly to yeast, but actually adding the oxygen first can be a good thing because, oh, there's various studies out there, but, you know, how if you add the yeast and you don't give it the oxygen right away, there can be some negative effects on well, yeast. Right? Yeah, that's why I like to add oxygen first, then right. add the yeast, because right. I've known people to start the yeast, uh, start the oxygen going, pour their yeast in it, and mm. then come back three, four minutes later and had weird problems. And I'm convinced right. that it had to do with weird effects of the oxygen directly on the yeast. Oh, really? One of the stresses of yeast is called oxidative stress, and that is from oxygen reacting basically with the yeast cells. So it, it is uh, a good practice by a lot of breweries that they'll oxygenate separately before the yeast for that so very that's reason. So you want to build a, nice, build a nice neighborhood first, then move them in. Don't move them in and then promise them a nice neighborhood because <laughs> they're going to get pissed. Don't move to Concord then. Exactly. That is really it's coming great. up. It's an I upcoming community. And then oxygenate. So no, I'm glad that I, you've said that. I do it the other way. Okay. And, I, and maybe now we all will. Yeah. Oz, you're on the air. What's happening, brother? Hey. G'day, guys. How you going? G'day. Just, just G'day, going. mate. <laughs> What's the word <laughs> from down under? Mate, it's still hot. It's still sunny. Oh. All right. Say wallaby. Hey. Wallaby. Wallaby. Love that. Thank you. What, <laughs> what's the word, man? What's happening? I was just, just um, walked in, so I don't know if these questions have already been answered, but right. the main one, I, I did a brew the other day, pitched a big, it was probably a litre of yeast slurry into 50 litres of wort, but the gravity on the beer was quite low, and it fermented in about 24 hours. Okay. Is there going to be big problems there? Is the beer going to come out Okay. I think you're going to drink it anyway. What kind of beer is I, it? I am. <laughs> uh, it was actually an American pale ale that come out at, um, I think it was 10 degrees Play-Doh. It was a little bit under. Yeah. What do you think, Chris? We were talking earlier about uh, yeah, something like a half where you want the yeast to be a little stressed. If it goes too fast, that's bad news. Yeah, a little too yeah. fast. Um, I mean, it's going to be drinkable. It's going to be okay. I think because you, you started low is why it finished so fast. But that's it, it's yeah. still that's a, still a couple of you know that's a few days fast. So what it, you're going to probably have some uh, some fusel alcohols, some higher alcohols in there, some uh, esters. 
and so it may not be as clean as you like. It may even give you a little headache. He he knows headaches. I know headaches. <laughs> might, I might make this one into beer schnapps or something like that if that's Ooh. the case. Right. You'd right. probably make a good beer schnapps because you can separate that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. But would you, don't but have I, a headache, I might as well make a good one. That's true. Right. I'd always, I'd rather have the fruitiness, the fusels, than say the dimethyl sulfide or something yeah. like that, which um, comes from taking too long to ferment. And yeah. to me, those beers are kind of undrinkable. So a beer with higher fusels and esters, yeah, no mm-hmm. big deal. He'll go with the headache. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The other thing I've been thinking of too is, is when I'm um, culturing up yeast or, or making um, the starters. You were just talking about over oxygenating. I actually use air through a HEPA, a HEPA filter. If I have that running continuously on a, a very slow uh, flow rate, is that still going over oxygenate, or is, is the little O2 that's actually in in the air itself how, not going to cause a problem? How long are you letting it go? I haven't done it yet. It's a, it's a something I'm thinking might actually get better growth. Normally, I'm with, with the 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 air. I'll run it for about ten minutes, and then turn it off and do it again in a couple more hours. Well, you're getting about twenty percent with its air instead of a hundred percent of its oxygen, and yeah. then you, you, it depends on the saturation temperature or saturation rate with the temperature of the whole yeah. thing. Um, you kind of want to make sure you stop it before it starts fermenting. So yeah, I don't know. Do it side by side and let it run. Right, yeah. that's a new answer. It depends. Yeah. Do it side by side. For heaven's sake! <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think I think if you let it run at you know just a ox- that way air for I think a couple hours wouldn't wouldn't hurt. And yeah. you get some good right. propagation. Most going. of our law of diminishing returns happens at about an hour on on pure oxygen or pure air. Just pure air and just letting it run. Because yeah, you know, I go in and I'll do pure oxygen before I pitch, and I'll go in a few hours later, do it again, and then yeah, it's usually before I go to bed. If I wake up in the morning, and it's not uh, fermenting again. It means you forgot to pitch the yeast. Well, no, usually because I see the. Because <laughs> that's Chris, happened. To Chris Scott is over. right. I'm going <laughs> to say that first, it means what Chris said, and second, it means whatever Doc wants to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember pitching the last yeast because Justin came over and we got really hammered. Yeah. But I woke up in the morning and I, and I had uh, two Erlenmeyers that were dirty, so and, and there was nothing in them. Yeah. So I, 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 to, I, I, had I, to I, do I must have pitched. <laughs> Actually, you came over earlier and we got hammered first. That, that was the same day? Yeah. <laughs> that was the funny thing, is that I called Doc by like two, and he's like, yeah, well, that's cool. Come on over. It'll be session two, because I already got drunk with Chris, <laughs> and, and I'm then, trying to brew. And now I'm having a break, and then you come over and we'll, and we'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> and, and pretty much, okay, I got this, I gotta get this cleaned up. Well, I got a pitch. Yeah. Damn, I did pitch. I guess I pitched. <laughs> I looked like I pitched. <laughs> I just want to point out, Oz, uh, and I want to point this out for you so that you feel bad about but not being here with us, as you should be. Uh, okay. There's an entire party going on in the background of the show oh, today. Man. We have a live studio audience. There's like, uh, there was like 15 or 20 people here earlier. I, I can't even count that. Pushing wine on everybody. Uh, running around, serving beers. It's uh, the most uh, well-served show we've ever had. And, uh, Oz, you're missing the whole thing. It works for me. Man. There's a heap of German girls there, isn't there? Yeah. There's a couple Germans. Yeah, some French women. There's some French. Uh, yeah. Asian yeah. women. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> Shame on Doc, you. You need, to, you need to invent that um, molecular transport system so you can hit the button so it can just appear there. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, that's true. We'll ask that uh, yeah. Starship uh, Trooper caller if he can do that for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
All right. Hey, Ozzy, thanks, brother. No worries. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Cheers, Sam. All right, so we got to wrap some things up here, and, and uh, we got to play stump the brewer. We, I know we, we'll do that. We're going to stump the whites, and I do have your questions in front of me. I want to say uh, that uh, now that uh, Chris White is 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 a friend of mine, and that I know Mike uh, lives close to here, I'm going to force them to come in and do uh, shows more often with us. So uh, even though I've got all these questions in, in front of us, we'll, we'll get them answered uh, at some point in the future. Even if you guys can just come and do a co-host thing with so us, it doesn't w- have to be. Will you guys come show. back? It depends. Doc, I didn't give him the choice. (laughs) (laughs) I I wanted him to say, will it it depends. Uh, It depends. Mike, are you coming back? (laughs) I'm having Mike back without Chris, I think. Depends. (laughs) (laughs) Today's show has been brought to you by Depends. That's right. (laughs) I I, I want to, before I decide, I'd like to do a side-by-side comparison. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. (laughs) Last week's show was the Pragmatic Show. This week's show is the It Depends Show. And we're uh, happy to bring them both to you. All right, let's do Stump the Whites and and get out of here. Daniela, what do you got? All right, question number one. Are you ready? What health problems are improved by taking brewer's yeast? Uh, and this question is from Smoky Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Smoky Bacon. It's uh, not herpes. Okay. So it doesn't you know that like for by sure. Ingesting brewer's yeast? By taking it as a medication. Okay. Uh, oh, as a medication even? Yeah. Oh. It was some study in Europe that has proved that. Gastrointestinal? Make a guess. Um, right, I mean, a particular... Mike's got an answer. <laughs> Mike what? Well, people think yeast can solve all kinds of problems. The other day, somebody asked us uh, that he heard that yeast could solve the problems he had with the sewer system. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't quite apply to this question, but I'm just saying people think <laughs> people, yeah. people think yeast can solve the world's problems. Yeah. And uh, health-wise, Chris? I tend to agree with them. Little diarrhea problem? <laughs> yes. <laughs> diarrhea. Diarrhea. All right. Not some. Well. Caller, you're on the Brewing Network. What can we do for you? That's you, caller. Hey, what's going on? What's happening? Who are we talking to? Hey, Justin. It's Hot Rod. It's, uh, sorry? It's Hot Rod. Hot, hot rod. rod. What's happening, my brother? What can we do and for I, you? And not too much. I want to call in for uh, Drunk of the Week. Oh, all right. Uh, you know, I was saying, there's no stump question here. I, you sound kind of hammered. Yeah. Uh, what have you been drinking? Let's <laughs> uh, see. Cream ale, Einbecker, Bach, you name it. <laughs> Everything. All right. Anything that was in the fridge. Are you uh, are you running low now? Are you running out? Oh, hell no. I got eight kegs on tap. But I got to say, we've uh, received a lot of very good questions of Hot Rod tonight. He, is, yeah. uh, he has asked some of the very good questions. He can still type. Yeah, so he he's a, a, a very... <laughs> <laughs> he can't be that drunk. Then. A very yeah, functional drunk of the week. Oh, yeah. Quick on the keys. Functional drunk. All right. <laughs> well, good for you. Uh, all right. Hey, let's give him a stein. All right. Yeah. You want a Gordon Beer stein to get drunk on the next time you call us? Hey, that works for me. All right. Now, cool. they're actually totally cool. We uh, contemplated keeping them all for ourselves. And we'll need uh, a report, though. They're really nice. We then had How do they work? Issues. All right, I'll give you the report. All right, you need to uh, tell Daniela your address or something. Send her an email, daniela at thebrewingnetwork.com. Uh, or, or just, if you're still in the chat room, type it there, because you may not remember tomorrow, dude. I would PM it, because you don't want to get blasted from all the other people. 
you're, I'll remember. You're kind of a lethargic drunk of the week. Like you're almost like this the the high guy of the no, week. I, I bet he's hugging that <laughs> that cold tile in the bathroom already. He's just got that that cell phone. Hey, wait, I, wait, no, no, no. I lay tile today. <laughs> <laughs> Are you just kind of a mellow drinker? Is that what's happening? Not one of it depends. <laughs> <laughs> depends, you know. depends on what I'm drinking. You work all weekend. You you know you listen into the chat room and yeah. you know so, you just do what you got to do. And where are you calling from? Calling from Connecticut. Yeah, wow. where in Connecticut? State. Which one? Which Connecticut? Which uh, city? I'm down in Milford. Right, Were you about to ask what Connecticut? Yeah. <laughs> which, which Connecticut? Which Connecticut? <laughs> Would that be the uh, gay Connecticut or the uh, no? <laughs> All right, good. Mil- new uh, in Milford, Connecticut. Hey, glad that you're uh, calling from my hometown. That would be uh, that would be Meriden, Connecticut. Yeah, Meriden is the gay Connecticut. So, which side of the tile feels better on your face? The right side of the toilet or the left side of the toilet? <laughs> Sit right next to the. You know what you need. You're going to need that side by side test. That's right. Uh, leave him alone, Doc. He's all right. He's just a little lethargic. All right. All right. Uh, Gordon Beer Stein coming your way. Send Daniela an oh, email yeah. or just private messenger right now. And uh, thanks for calling, brother. All right. Thanks, guys. Keep cool. up the great work. All right. We'll see you. Okay. Uh, what else we got for Stump the Whites? Anything? Because we got another Stein to give Of course we do. Yeah. All right. How many vials of white labs yeast do I currently have in my fridge? <laughs> oh, that ain't cool. <laughs> that doesn't count. That's no uh, unless they guess it right. Yeah, you can just guess. <laughs> Mike White. He has got five vials. I was going to guess five. No. He actually does have. You want to make a guess too, Chris? Go ahead. Let Chris guess. Eight. 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 He has 12. Wow. He's a fan of your company. He's got the Baker East dozen. Yeah. So that's a lot of brewing coming up. Six are expired, but it's all good. All right. Not stumped, though. Not stumped. uh, So that's that's not fair unless you invite him over. All right. Another question for the T-shirt now, right? Oh, we've got one, another Stein and a T-shirt to give away. All right. Stein. What does the ring around the Budweiser AB in the label represent? <laughs> <laughs> That's insinuating that they drank a lot of Budweiser. <laughs> That's the one. That Mike has one in front of him. Maybe he could answer. No, <laughs> <laughs> slander, slander. Now that was just mean. Of all the things we've done today, that was just plain mean. Yeah, yeah he he's lying. It's actually in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, it's the tall boy. All right. Uh, what's the ring mean? Wow. Uh, what it mean? Is it for marketing? You mean reasons or no? It has a it has uh, a real a meaning. Graham, do you know this? What, what's sad about this is Chris knows the whole uh, A B yeast story. Yeah, and if this was anything related to that, sure, we would be here for another hour. <laughs> <laughs> Not only do I think the the question's a little unfair, I'm sort of offended by well, the question. I, yeah, actually, I think it should be dismissed. Because you, you do know that AB has refused to do our show, don't you? I didn't know that. Yeah, we. Oh, there they are calling now. <laughs> though. I'm all lined up. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and dismiss the question. <laughs> all right. Yeah, because uh, what you're you the man. This, what do you think this is, caller? You're on the BN. What's happening? Oh, I just calling in let you know that High Rod wasn't anywhere near drunk enough. Is that right? <laughs> uh, you're calling to say that uh, you're doing better? Oh, yeah. This is Bug Eater. Hey, Bug Eater. How are you? Oh, real good. And yeah, uh, I was judging a, a Belgian competition this morning, so 11 o'clock this morning I was judging a flight of 10 or 12 uh, Belgian wheat beers, and we've been drinking the leftovers ever since here. Okay. Well, 
I, I, you might be the uh, drunker of of the the week of of drunks. Ah, let's give him a. What do you want? You want the Stein or you want the uh, the T-shirt? Uh I could sure use the Stein. The Stein's really nice. That's a good oh, choice. I love that. Very nice. All right, the Stein goes to Boog Eater, not just because he's the second drunk of the week and that he's done a, a good job of it, but because he's a nice guy. What the hell, right? Oh, of course I'm a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Boog Eater, you got a Stein coming to you. Send Danielle an email. Uh, sure will. Hey, Bug. Yeah. Did you eat, did you drink all my beer? Did I drink all your beer? I loved your beer. It's good stuff, huh? Which ones did you send him? I sent him like six, I think. Really? Yeah, you sent six of them. And was well, any did any of them suck? No, they all they were all good. Okay. The one I liked best was that uh, that uh, winter warmer. I think it was. Oh yeah. Yeah, what was that? A chocolate mint in that? Yeah, yeah, that was my, yeah, that, oh, my Christmas ale. Great. Yeah, I wanted it to taste like a like basically like a chocolate mint. Mm-hmm. I guess it worked. Oh, it worked really good. Oh, yeah. good. That's nice. That was during the, that was the uh, Santa exchange, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. All right, you can go to our forum to find out more about that because there'll be another one done at Christmas time. And if you're a user who's not registered for our forum, it's a good reason to do so because uh, we send each other beer and it's fun. And uh, you might get lucky enough to get Docs or Jameels or even Boog Eaters because Boog Eaters sent us some great beer too. Yeah. So uh, there you go. All right, Boog Eater, send Danielle an email and uh, we'll, we'll get you that Stein. Okay. Thanks, yeah, brother. Thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, so I got Doc Pagala, like Doc Pagala, this guy. He's been calling the whole show like ten times. I had to answer his call finally. Doc, I gotta say, you're, you're like half a stalker. Like, uh, I, I mean, it's not as if I missed all your earlier calls. He's drinking and dialing, man. Come on. That's what I'm doing. I'm drinking and dialing, guys. You're doing the, you're doing the drunk dial? Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess I could qualify as another drunk of the week. Say, everybody's my friend. They want to talk to me. Man, oh, man. Uh, are you calling just for drunk of the week? I don't know. I actually had a, a question for you, but I forgot what the hell it was. <laughs> I like how Doc sounds a lot more Irish now at the end of the show than he did at the beginning. Yeah. You guys notice that? He's, uh, uh, he turned into a leprechaun in like two hours. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you get me drinking here. You know. <laughs> I think I got a White Labs hat up on my shelf I'm looking at right now. Will that be all right for you? <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep the damn hat. I don't need that. No, I'll give you a... Hey, persistence pays, right? We'll okay, give you I'll hat. take that. It, unless you're not going to wear it, then I'm not going to send it. I'll wear it. I'll wear it just to piss my bosses off. And by the look at your shiny head in your picture here, you need a hat. You anyway. need a hat, man. Anybody with a shiny head needs a hat. Right, Doc? You got a shiny head. Hey, I don't go outside in the winter because it's cold. I don't go outside in the summer because it's sunny. You need a hat. Got a hat, man. <laughs> All right. I'll Whoa. Whoa, that was cool. <laughs> just going to leave him on the line because it sounds cool. It's like we're talking to Chewbacca. No, no, it's like your you're, you're Stephen two, you're Hawking. Two little, little no, it's, keyboard it's thing, Stephen but. Hawking. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I didn't know that Doc was a, he's also Stephen Hawking. He's Doc Hawking. No, 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 just an Irish Filipino guy. I kind of wonder how many Irish Filipinos are out there. <laughs> Sorry, that's just funny. All right, I gotta cut you off, Doc, because your connection has uh, deteriorated. Uh, yeah, the clarity is no good anymore. Send Daniel an email. I'll give you a white labs hat that we stole fair and square from Neva. I still have another stump to create. In other words, you're you're breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> okay, what have we got? We've got the beer fest shirt to give we away. We still have the right. shirt. Give to us away. this stump right. white, Chris. What is the scientific name for yeast that causes thrush? Thrush. Thrush. Whatever, Dr. Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Do we know? Probably, we'll say a yeast that causes a lot of trouble, Candida. That is correct. Wow. He does know everything. I told you guys. The way, that's what, like four questions now. The man's not been stumped. Look at this guy. Didn't yeah, I say? He's, he's fantastic. The, the white knows it all. I wish we could give away that shirt, though. It's pretty cool. Yeah, we're having trouble giving away that shirt. All right, next caller gets a shirt. 888 I'll take it. <laughs> Call in quick because we're getting out of here. 888-401-BEER. All you got to do is dial the number and, like, say three words or something, <laughs> and we'll give you a T-shirt. All right, next week, I want you to know, uh, I believe I got uh, Magnolia coming into the Free FM show. Dave McLean, and we're nice. going to be talking about cast condition ales and also the new place that he's opening up here in San Francisco that's uh, really exciting. Sean, you know about this new place he's opening up out here, right? Uh, the Dave McLean's opening. It's uh, I think it's called the Alembic. It, do I have that right? It's called the Alembic. It's uh, actually a little bit further down on Haight, yeah. next to the uh, Red Vic. And, and he's uh, doing like like it's a it's kind of like a small uh, sort of a small batch uh, micro distillery concept yeah. with small Ooh. plates, kind of like in a clubby kind of way. Right. Like really low key. There'll it's be some beer, but it's like really sort of emphasizing sort of the pairing of micro distilled spirits. With uh, with uh, small plates, uh, you know, that's, it's really right up Doc's cool. alley, yeah. Because uh, he's he's doing uh, like really fine and and aged spirits as well as his micro yeah, dist- nice. distilled, and you're gonna love this place. The so. space oh. is amazing, actually. He's really kind of like uh, taken sort of like the historical kind of approach with San Francisco. He has like the bar is made up of like these old benches that were out in this old arena out in San Francisco, and it's just going to be an awesome space. When's this opening up? Uh, I think in about a month or so. Yeah, I think it is. I think it's next month, and uh, we'll find out next week on the Free FM show. So tune in yeah. at 3 o'clock, on, uh, 3 o'clock on 106.9 Free FM if you're in the area, or 106.9 FreeFM.com if you're not. Caller, you're on the air, and the wine? winner of a Beer Fest t-shirt, who are we talking to? Hey, this is Warren. Warren, what's happening, my brother? Oh, not, not much, man. I was, uh, I was calling in with a stumpy, uh, wine guy, yeast person. Alright, let's Dude. do it. What do you got? Well, I was gonna ask, uh, how many, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, sugar transporters are in yeast? How six, many sugar transporters? carbon sugar transporters. Mike? <laughs> <laughs> it depends. In my last count with my, uh, microscope. Uh huh. <laughs> I counted uh, 33 in your side-by-side test. With my side-by-side test, and uh, after I analyzed different options, because it depends each time you look under the microscope. So when I looked, and I had side-by-side microscopes. (laughs) Okay, uh, well, I could could, uh, make it a little easier for him. Okay. Um, Like, genetically, how many genes are there encoding hexose transporters? Are you listening? Thirty-three. <laughs> He's sticking with thirty-three. I'm looking for an even number. Which, by the way, is also the number on the back of a Rolling Rock bottle. <laughs> I don't know if there's any correlation uh, there. This is a team effort. I am now transferring uh, to Chris White. Chris White. Go ahead, Mike. That's fine. <laughs> we'll go with Mike. Okay. He's going with thirty-three. Okay. Uh, that's a different answer than what I know. Okay. Uh, what do you I got? Was, I was thinking for uh, yeah. I was thinking of uh, eighteen. Eighteen. But, yeah. There's. Hexos transporters one through seventeen, and then the Gal two um, open reading. Well, oh, you know what? Again, the, the I was, Gal two is what threw me. 
<laughs> so I, I was looking through two microscopes. I was adding them together and, oh, I see, and yeah. came up with uh, <laughs> something similar to that. I right, stacked them on bit. top of each other. <laughs> and he had to hold one eye. <laughs> I was having trouble seeing. Warren, you get a Beer Fest uh, t-shirt oh, yeah. uh, courtesy of the movie Whoa. Beer Fest. It's and, signed uh, by the producers and actually, actors. It's actually signed. So if you don't care about them, you can wash it several times and the signature will go away. <laughs> no, that's really cool. I'm I think it's totally cool. That. No, they actually, and you know what? They were really cool guys and very down to earth and a lot of fun and nice enough to uh, go ahead and right. sign. And some actually, stuff. the shirt comes with a golf ball. I made them sign. Oh no, the ping pong ball because it. the guys were playing a beer pong. Beer pong. Oh yeah, yeah beer pong. Yeah, yeah, and I made them sign a beer pong, and I have I made them say Germany rocks, and we all love Germans. Yeah, because all they do in their movies is make fun of the Germans, <laughs> and, and Daniela had no problem telling them how offended she was. <laughs> Hey, well, I love that, you guys. I mean, uh, grad students can always use more uh, ping pong balls for beer pong. And another, <laughs> another free T-shirt is great too. Man. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And no, thanks for playing. We're making fun of the question, but it's a great question. And right up the alley, we always ask for them to be content specific, and and that's what you did. So send Daniela an email, Daniela at the Brewing Network, and we'll get you that uh, T-shirt. All right, I'll be sure to do that. Thanks, brother. Thank See, you. That, that goes into the. I knew that once, but it's long since forgotten. You just, you know. I, you gotta, I'm pretty sure I never knew that. You just got to give that one to Mike. I'm not even positive. Yeah, I, I have to uh, handle all the difficult questions on this show, and uh, <laughs> I'm sure that will continue. Well, like Doc said, uh, the best thing Chris ever did was bring you along, Mike, because uh, what would we be doing? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and it made Mom happy. All right, so not only Magnolia on the free FM show next week, but uh, Colin, Jamil, and Dr. Scott are all going to do an evaluating beer show with us right here wow. on the Brewcast next Sunday. And what they're going to do... Can I knew about that? Uh, no, yeah, you don't need to know, Doc. <laughs> You'll know on Saturday. <laughs> That's right. Doc, you can do this stuff in your sleep, man. You're fine. Okay. Basically, what we're doing is teaching you how to take a beer and evaluate the profiles on it and make a decision, because Colin believes that you should have a strategy behind uh, tasting a beer. Now, not just... Uh, drinking. That's not what we're talking about here. But if you really want to uh, buy a new beer and sit down with it and, and figure out its uh, flavor profiles, you should kind of look at it from outside the box and have a strategy. So th- so basically, Colin and Jamil are really going to help us uh, evaluate the flavor profiles of beer. And, and Doc, you're going you're gonna to throw it in because you can do this stuff like sleepwalking. Well, oh, another, another thing to think about is, uh, you know, you're tasting your beer. And think, what what is that? I don't yeah. like it. Yeah. What is that? Here, you guys taste this. Yeah, let's figure so out why. Hopefully, we can teach you guys to to discern what that flavor is and why don't I like it in this beer and what's making it that way. That's right. And that's next week, right here on the Brewcast. Caller, you're my last caller. What can I do for you? He's already standing up. You are the last caller. <laughs> what's happening? You there? Did Hello. I did I jump you? Oh, damn. Well, because he was my super last caller. Didn't even have to really take it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. i got to say thanks to the Whites, of course, from White Labs Yeast Company. You can go to whitelabs.com to check out all their products. And I guess in the next couple of days, there's a new website coming out anyway. Mike White is hard at work on that. Uh, what are we thinking here? Just a, a couple of days, maybe early in the week, we're going to see a new website out of you? We're just uh, trying to make sure a couple of things uh, don't get... Uh, uh, screw it up along the process in terms okay. of email and all that. So it we're depends. looking at it depends, but uh, <laughs> certainly uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, 
Uh, you should see a new site. It, it'll look the same design-wise, but it should have a lot more information on if it. If you put them side-by-side, side, they'd look the same, but the new one would have a lot more to it. But it would exactly. It, 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 it depends, but it, I think it would taste, uh, it'd have a little, little richer, a little more interesting. Yeah. And, uh, Fair enough. More flavorful. Yeah, a little more flavorful. <laughs> I think it would take longer to uh, get through the pint. It's got a good and, beat. Uh, you can dance to it. Yes, it does. Yeah. I love it. God, I love this show. I did have a little beer belly <laughs> measuring on the Brewers tonight. Okay, and what I do we got? I got Chris White in awesome shape, 35 only. Whoa, excellent. Hey, and you bastard. Chris, you're a pussy. I Dirt. measured Sean O'Sullivan. Yeah, what are we looking at there? 41. All right. There, there's a different... Uh, <laughs> or Chris, Chris has an unfair advantage. He only drinks a yeast. <laughs> <laughs> it helps with his diarrhea. <laughs> what about Mike White? Did you get any Mike no, White? No, can I get uh, I don't. I drink a lot more than the yeast, so I don't think you want to... Oh, we have to. You, you won't be the tops, I'll tell you. Thanks to Chris Graham from Beer, Beer, and More Beer coming in and hanging out with us. Of course, you can go to morebeer.com or just click any one of those banners on our homepage, and it'll take you right there. And Chris is always generous enough to offer his help here, even on a moment's notice. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, stay tuned to the Brewing Network for something. I don't know. I'll put it up there and uh, be surprised as I am. And uh, we'll see you next week, uh, Friday on Lunch Meet, Sunday for Magnolia on the Free FM Show, and then right here with Colin Kaminsky from Downtown Joe's, Jamil Zanishev, and, of course, the great Dr. Scott teaching us how to evaluate. Thank you. Thank you. Beer. We'll see you all later. Thanks, everybody. Blow my mind. I love homebrew all the time. Yeah, I think I'll have it. Well, I'm the one right now. Love that home crew can't get enough of it. Home crew blows my mind.